This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And this is the third time that we are trying this. Uh, Technically the fourth, because I messed up the start of the third time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But today, we are talking about the red-hot Philadelphia 76ers. We are talking John Morant's best fit in the NBA. We are doing our NBA draft mailbag uh, after we did our mock draft 4.0 last week. And we have the Wet Boys segment, the reoccurring weekly segment of the Wet Boys. What are you guys looking at that's so entertaining? Shoes. Shoes. Oh, great. He's so, getting game. I'm, I'm we, are, I'm we are I'm, locked in and loaded I'm just letting you break. do your own thing. He's just well, when you're making faces like, oh, what's that? I, well, I, gotta, I didn't I gotta, expect I them to be as much oh, as okay. they are. Anyways, uh, before we get into all that stuff, 76ers and the draft topics that we have, uh, we do want to reach out to you and say, uh, if you do want to become a patron, now is the time to do so. April 1st, we are revamping all of the rewards and tier systems. We're going to have a, uh, what's it, bronze, silver, and gold tier. Mm -hmm. Um, They are going to be extremely fun. We're extremely excited for uh, current patrons uh, and obviously new patrons. You guys want to jump in as soon as possible. Uh, We also want to give a shout out to uh, Bryant uh, from the uh, Bryant from the uh, mock draft, uh, the full mock draft on YouTube. Uh, He was pumped that he got three hours and 30 minutes of uh, content. He wound up supporting, so we want to thank Bryant uh, for his contribution. Uh, And you can contribute as well, patreon.com slash podcast. And also, if you uh, feel like it, you can also head over to iTunes. uh, Rating us five stars over there means the absolute world, and we appreciate if you do so. And if you do so, share with us share with it share it with us on Twitter. Share that screenshot with us on Twitter uh, at most valuable pot. But let's jump into the Sixer talk. The Sixers, after getting back, Joel and Embiid have been on an absolute tear. Uh, Joe was out for a little bit with the uh, injury problem, shocker, but now they are on a six-game win streak. They're seven and three in their last ten, and now they are in third place in the Eastern Conference, jumping the Indiana Pacers and jumping uh, the Boston Celtics. They are red hot. Let's jump into the Sixers and Jake's team, 47-25. and 25. Dave, clearly Joe has been the big starting kind of kick to get them going. Yeah. Um, and now that we kind of see the whole inner workings of Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and Joe, uh, uh, Joel Embiid working together, um, what has been the biggest thing, though? Has it just been Joe's return, or is, it, is there something else on the floor that's really sparked this win streak? It's learning to play together. I think that's the biggest thing. People saw you know, them point together this great team and wanted instant results, but you've got to remember that you know Tobias Harris was a one basically playing on the Clippers. I know Lou Will was still there, but it was just like in the starting lineup, he was the number one guy. Uh, Jimmy Butler was the number one guy in Minnesota. So you're bringing in two pieces, two guys who are used to having the ball in their hands for the majority of the time and trying to integrate them into a team where they weren't really sure how to do it at first. You saw when Jimmy Butler first came over, Joel Embiid got a little upset because of the touches going on, the lack of uh, involvement in the offensive system. So they had to evolve over time. And I think we're finally seeing the fruits of their labor. It's actually looking really nicely, really nice out there as Joel Embiid's learning to work with these guys uh, Toby has just become a straight-up outside sniper. He's fantastic with the ball in his hands, but in that smaller role, he's so efficient for them, and he can do so much in that role. And then Jimmy Butler's basically just been given the keys to the kingdom in the fourth quarter. It's like, you, you'll get a couple touches early in the game. Don't worry about it. But in the fourth quarter, that's your time to shine. We know where we're going to make our money. It's Joel Embiid in the post, and it's you working with the ball in your hands. Yeah, our good friend Jake, obviously, we, we, we have him on the podcast. Uh, we had him in studio as well. 
Um, he has really taken a turn uh, on Jimmy Butler. He's really been a big fan of Jimmy late, and uh, for good reason. The past four games, uh, Jimmy averaged 23.5 points per game, 47 from the field, 35, uh, 37.5% from three, um, and 84% from the line. And Jimmy hit a huge, huge, huge shot um, over Boston uh, to, to win them that game. Um, I mean, Jake was going crazy. Uh, Jake was terrified going into that game, and he was so happy uh, and thrilled that they got that win. But even you look uh, back at the uh, Milwaukee game, obviously he wasn't the best performer in that game. Uh, Joel Embiid had a stupid game uh, that day, but he still had 27 had points. had an even better game. Yes. Uh, and, uh, but, I mean, that's the thing with the, the Sixers. Is yeah. You look at this team, they have uh, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, all all-star caliber level yep. players and, and when you have this t- and level JJ of talent, amazing shooting yeah and when you have this level of talent you can overcome 52 points uh from Giannis Antetokounmpo 15 16 7 uh you can overcome that with you know JJ Redick um who put up uh, 19 you can overcome that with uh, Joel who put up 40 uh Jimmy Butler scoring 27 Tobias Harris uh putting up an efficient of uh, 12 and even Ben Simmons who can you know uh put up 8 9 9 and only turn the ball over three I think, times I think they've huge. got the second best starting five in the NBA who I'm, I'm, I was going to say who, but mm-hmm. but here's the statistically question. they're better than the Warriors. That's but... what I was going to say because Demarcus really hasn't had that team flowing. Yeah. Um. But Ricky, I don't want to blind us too much because mm-hmm. right now the, the, the six game win streak um has been great for the Philadelphia 76ers. Um. But that's obviously not the level that they're going to play with every single night unless you think differently. Well, I, the thing, two things I'm thinking about. First off, within this win streak, although it's been impressive, although Joe has been the kind of catalyst for this with Jimmy. The thing I do want to throw out there is Indiana's not at full strength. Right. The Cavaliers are the Cavaliers. The Kings have fallen off. Like, besides that, three of their games, probably not the toughest opponents. Where the Milwaukee game to me was like, whoa, because Giannis can go off for 50-plus points, and they still go ahead and beat the Bucks. Now, Nico only have two points that game. Yeah, it's not ideal. Night. But I feel like the second thing I thought of was, although it was a few days later, this almost reminds me like the mini run that Boston went on before their playoffs last year, where it was about a week or two later. It was into April the first week, but they went on a similar run where they won about six games, then kind of stumbled into the playoffs. What is Philly going to do with this? Because... With Jimmy and Tobias beyond this team, the biggest thing I look at is we're not putting as much pressure on Ben Simmons because when I look at the games, he does great against non-playoff teams. All the other playoff teams scoring, 13 against Boston, 8 against Milwaukee, and then he had 15 each against Indy and um, the Houston Rockets. So for me, Ben Simmons is the biggest question scoring-wise, and will he not Will he not have to score as much in the playoffs because they have Jimmy, because they have Tobias this year? But my, my big question with this is, like, are we being blinded by the, the, the win streak is what I'm saying. Like, I mean, they like, did it last year. They did. And but, that's, but, but that then was a bit of fool's happen- gold. Yeah, let's look at what happened in the postseason. So mm-hmm. do you think this is, like, the, the top that they can play, or do you think this is what the level they are at? Like, do you think, think this, this yeah. is just a, at their finally, very best? Well, yes. This is them at their very best, and this is just mm-hmm. not them, you know, finally clicking together. That's my question. Is this them I would clicking? Say this is them or... at their very best. Okay, so this is not them just clicking. Mm-hmm. This is them at their very best. Dave, do you agree uh, with that? I disagree. I think that this team is only starting to figure out what they can do together as a starting five. I think that there there is going to be more piled onto this. They're starting to get good off ball movement. Uh, they're starting to utilize Ben Simmons working in the low post matchups. 
which is something we hadn't seen earlier this year. When mm-hmm. you have him going low post, you know, about 12 feet out and being able to slash to the net and for follow-up uh, taps, rebounds, like, it, it's something that we hadn't seen, and it's something that actually, like, when you watch, like, oh, no shit, he has a huge matchup advantage. Why wouldn't we do this thing? And it's just like, oh, I, Brett Brown suddenly is coaching. I, I'm concerned for, like, other teams because it's things that we were constantly mocking the 76ers for was Ben Simmons' lack of offensive skill set. Mm-hmm. Basically, he was a facilitator, and if he couldn't do that, then he was basically staying outside, you know, twiddling his thumbs. Well, and also, and I now mean, he's much Jimmy, more active. Jimmy called him out the game they played, the one that we were there, yeah. were like, and it was the funniest thing from that game was when Jimmy was coming out of the locker room for that second final shot, yeah. he was saying, like, we better draw up a better fucking play than what we just drew up. Yeah. Basically calling out Coach Brown. I mm-hmm. think Brett that, Brown. yeah, so I think that this is this is the tip of the iceberg for them. This is, they're hitting their groove, they're feeling great. I think now it's start, now it's time to build off of what they've done. Well, mm-hmm. here's the question then for both of you now, um, because clearly you're thinking that you know this is them clicking. Yep. Ricky thinks it's just they're peaking, and you know it, it, it's a it's a good six game win streak. Um, but if we're looking at the grand scheme of playoffs and winning a title, are they the best team in the East right now? Um, to Dave, if if they're clicking, and this is just them finally you know coming together, mm-hmm. and then Ricky um, at their best. Let's you know let's say this is this is this win streak. Like if they're playing Milwaukee tonight and they're playing Toronto tonight, mm-hmm. um, and, and the series starts now. Let's say that if the series starts now, would you take them in seven games? So uh, we'll go to Dave first. Sure. Do you think that they are a legitimate threat going into the the playoffs to win the Eastern Conference Finals um, and go to the finals? Uh, and then Ricky, your question is if playoffs started now and they're going mm-hmm. up against Toronto or Milwaukee, let's just get rid of the seeds right now. Let's just say we're they're they're jumping to the Eastern Conference Finals. Would you take them uh, in seven against one of those teams? Dave, go first. So I would take them. I, I, I do think they're a legitimate threat for the Eastern Conference Finals. There, there's a good chance. I mean, Milwaukee's beaten up right now. They've they've been healthy up until like the last month of this year, and then it's just everything comes down at the worst possible time. So. I like how they played against Milwaukee, and it took a heroic effort out of Giannis to bring them just just inches away from beating them. So give me that Sixers matchup going all the way. The Raptors are the scariest team to me uh, in, in the East right now. Even though I picked the Celtics, they're just they're, things aren't right yet. And there's still a couple weeks to the season. I think there's mm-hmm. two weeks, so let's, you know, I'm not going to give up on them. But mm-hmm. right now, that Raptors matchup in the playoffs is the one I would be circling as. That's your Eastern Conference Finals. That That's what it could be. You know, that... Scary enough, but it could be. Well, I'm shaking my head because um, if the seeding happened as it did now, mm-hmm. that would be our second round matchup. Right. Um, the thing well, with me, throw seeding out, yeah, so. throwing seeding out. I think to just quickly answer that before I answer mine, the Bucks and the 76ers. That's what I want the Eastern Conference Finals to be, and I think it's a tricky question when you say right now because. I would say yes. The 76ers well, I'm saying, I'm have saying, the best chance because they're the only team that isn't experiencing the injury bug right now. You've got Milwaukee, who's got Brogdon, who's out for multiple weeks. Nico's out for multiple weeks. You've got Toronto, who Kyle Lowry's day to day right now with an ankle injury. And then obviously the Celtics, they've been dealing with their kind of nagging injuries playing, all years as well. And Embiid just took a game off, literally like. Mm-hmm. Two days ago, but I'm saying like during the win streak, during the win streak, like they have consistently been there. There no, might have Joe been one or two game. games, but like the last two, like I look at the Milwaukee game, all of them were playing, and if all of them are out there on the floor playing like this, and this is why I go back to me, like this is them at their best. I feel the Sixers to make the finals 
need all four out there in a playoff series. Dave's going to have a panic attack if I don't find the game that he's he he, he missed. He missed the Charlotte game. Yeah. Uh, they lost or they won uh, one eighteen one fourteen. Uh, that was their second closest game that they have played. Uh, they played obviously the three game uh, three point game uh, three point one against Boston. Uh, they won by five against uh, Milwaukee. Uh, they won by nine against Sacramento. They won. They blew out pretty much Cleveland. They blew out Indiana. And uh, but Charlotte, that, without Charlotte, they only won eight by four. straight games. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's you can't say that pick and choose injuries. Like no, yes, they they dealt I'm, with injuries to their best player. But and that's the thing and that I was going to get to at the the weakness I see for the Sixers. Take that Hornet game. They win by what two points? Four. And Joe's not out there. To me, if all four of these players—Jimmy, Tobias, Ben, Joe are not out there playing like they have been when all four of them are out there, then this team doesn't get to the finals. They need all four of them to get there. 100%. No, I'm just saying, like, I was just strictly saying, mm-hmm. at this team's best, which which is right now, they're playing at their best, mm-hmm. would they beat Toronto or Milwaukee in a seven-game series? That's, fully that's healthy Toronto, fully healthy yes. Milwaukee. At their best, what are they? That's what I'm trying to get to. I would say Toronto, even, yes, even take Milwaukee, out the teams. No. Take out the teams. Just at their best— what are the Philadelphia 76ers? Eastern Can Conference they, Finals at the least. What are, finals what are they the based best, best, not the least. What are they the best? God damn it. <laughs> well, it depends can on, they win the finals? Can they win the finals at their best? No, the yes. not, not the NBA finals. Yes, they can. I, no, the Warriors Put will the beat board. them. Um, but it depends on team to me because at their, if both teams are completely healthy— What's if their weakness? What's their weakness? To me, it's one person not showing. Like, to me, they need everyone to show up. Plus— it's the emotional factor. Like, I go back to that Buck game. Yeah, they won by five. Giannis had an amazing game. Why did they win that? Because of Embiid. And Embiid kind of being like that, not just put the team on my back, but you could tell he gave a little bit more for that game. Because, like, even he said after the game, we've been talking about this guy over there. No, you should be talking about me and this team and the Sixer team. I just I feel like if they're going up against the Raptors, I would give it to the Sixers if they're playing like this. If they're playing the Bucks, it's a seven-game series. They have a chance, but I would still edge out with the Bucks if both teams are fully healthy and playing well in that seven-game series. You said finals. You're wrong. You're just wrong. Why, we'll why, why, they they wrong? literally have the second-best starting five in the NBA. Like, but, they, but their bench isn't that great. Their bench is not that great, but they're so, still getting some contributions off their bench, which is enough. I think that's uh, – come on. We're talking playoffs, so everybody's going to play 37 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. Easy. So you're looking at you know maybe seven minutes a time where it's going to be just fluctuating. And we know we've seen Jimmy play 40-plus minutes a night. Joe's even played 40-plus mm-hmm. now. Like I don't I don't have any fears about that. I just think that at the end of the day, it comes down to if, you're, if your starting five is this good, and it is, then you'll be able to go in a series against anybody in the Eastern Conference. I think you'll match up in the finals versus the Warriors. That's It's just that simple. I the me I the thing I just think of is when we get to playoff scheduling yeah. when the games are closer together they're spaced out more people get more I rest. just I feel like there are times even with just the Warriors an example some of their playoff runs mm-hmm. some of the guys we're talking about yes they have amazing starters but who off the bench has given a performance like Andre Iguodala yes he had to step in for injury but when he didn't we're still talking about him coming off the bench being a key piece yeah, that to me could be a week. Year. That could be a weakness, though, for the 76ers if they don't have that bench depth. But the Andre Godala this year is a shadow of himself mm-hmm. in the years past. No, I'm just Same saying. Same with Sean Livingston. I'm like, just saying looking the at The Warriors don't history. have a bench right mm-hmm. now. 
they're, they literally don't. Like, it's non-existent. It, it, there, there's nothing there. There's a reason why they have to rely on, even when Kevin Durant is healthy, like mm-hmm. or not 100% healthy, he's still out there t- taking shots because it's better than letting their bench play those minutes. Like, they, they have lost games. They lost more games recently than normal for the Warriors, to be honest. But, like, I think this year it's such a top-heavy team, and I agree that it's the same way with the mm-hmm. 76ers. Basically, you've got Mike Scott who can take some shots, and you have a backup point guard who can help alleviate some spacing issues. But outside of that, you're not expecting these guys to give you more than like seven to ten minutes. Ten the, is top, and that's extreme. The thing that I, I will go to, and I think this is where we'll, we'll kind of get into, is the, what are the weaknesses of this team? And then finally, um, if they don't make the finals, where will their downfall be? Um, because I think, you know, again, if they're all clicking, if this f- starting five is clicking, you're right. Yeah. They're probably the, the best starting five. Um, and when you get to the playoffs and when you're cutting down those minutes, that is absolutely huge. And this is a team with playoff experience. Jimmy Butler's been in the playoff multiple times. Uh, Joel Embiid, this is not his first rodeo, same with Ben Simmons. Uh, J.J. Reddick's been in the league since 2009. He's and, been in the playoffs most of those years, if not mm-hmm. all. And, and Tobias Harris, uh, I don't think he had, no, Detroit. I think he's been once with Detroit. I could be wrong because I don't yeah. think the Clippers made it last year, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. They no, because they, they were a lottery. They got mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think that he's been there once. But even then, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be. I, I don't think he's going to crumble in big no m- moments. So game, I'm not extremely yeah, worried thing. about. I'm it. not super worried because the ball's not going to be in his hands a ton. Um, he he did. He played four games uh, back in that uh, Detroit 2015-2016. Uh, put up 14.5 points, 9.5 boards, uh, three assists, uh, 40. 5% from the field, 33% from three. So um, put 39 minutes. So the big thing that I, I did see is the 39 minutes. That's, yeah. that's all I care about. Um, because I think he's a, he's a much different player than he was uh, totally. when he was 23 years old. So I, I'm not really worried about like their, their playoff experience. I think it clearly comes down to Brett Brown. And, yeah, and, and you know, if we're talking about the bench, the bench does concern me. Um, and that's the reason why I'm concerned about the Warriors, too, is because they don't have anybody to go to if, you know, Steph gets injured or if, mm-hmm. you know, Clay's not on. They don't have somebody like Andre Iguodala, like they had in the past, um, who was playing up to that level. Obviously, they still have Andre Iguodala, but they don't have the same Andre Iguodala. He's older, he's slower, he's 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 much more limited than he was uh, yeah. in, 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 at the Warriors' peak. Um I look at this bench and I, and I do worry if you know Mike Scott's going to be able to contribute um, and hit threes and outside shots when they need him to. Mm-hmm. Um, can T.J. McConnell be a guy that they? I mean, because he's going to play. Um, oh yeah. Can he be a guy that you know does the same performance that he did last year? I mean, last year he was a guy that came off the bench and did. He was like this their team. MVP against the Celtics. Yeah, losing effort. So what what's this bench going to be like when they get there? Um, so I think the two that that really stick out to me is Brett Brown on the bench. I think I can kind of come off the bench a little bit. The Brett Brown one I cannot though because what yeah. we saw last year in the playoffs and and the the lack of, um, it's how um the lack of awareness but also the lack of discipline I I think the 76ers showed um mm-hmm. in that in that series against Boston. So what does Brett Brown need to do? for the 76ers to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and then also make it to the Finals. What, what does he need to do to make sure this team, at least, like Ricky was saying, at their worst, right. um, and you know when they're at their best, at their worst, they only make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. What does Brett Brown need to do? He needs to continue to adapt to his opponents. Like That's that's the biggest knock was he wasn't reacting to how his players were playing in games. He was giving them standard minutes and poor rotations, regardless of the effort that was being put out on the court or mm-hmm. the results. When Ben Simmons was out there struggling against the Celtics, he let him struggle. And maybe that was just a, look, we got to the playoffs, we're playing with house money, and this kid needs minutes. Even if he's choking out there, he needs those minutes to understand this is playoff basketball, this is the intensity. So 
that was a huge knock against him was his lack of uh, ability to work those rotations, see what was happening in front of him, and make adjustments uh, to go along with that to help his team win. So if we get to the playoffs and they end up with a bad matchup in round one and he's not able to make those calls and they eke by just pure talent-wise... Mm-hmm. I'm going to be concerned. Even if they win the series, I would say, like, oh, man, this shit is not going well. Like, it just... And that's the thing. You know that Joel Embiid is one of the most dominant players, and he relies so heavily on having the ball in his hands, he can work the low post, get to the foul line, and cause absolute problems for other bigs on other teams. But if they can't distribute the ball to him, if they can't give him those opportunities, if Brett Brown can't adapt his game to matchups, then they're screwed. Like, it's just... You're right. Like he is, he is their kryptonite right now. He is what everything rides on is Brett Brown's performance and his coaching ability going into the playoffs. Ricky, I mean, with me, I kind of think about. I think Brett Brown has to kind of be a little bit of Steve Kerr and a little bit D'Antoni. Um, where I think about those two, of course, Steve Kerr is the ultimate side, like to one scale. Where you know what, I'm just gonna let you guys do what you do and kind of intermittent put some things in here and there where D'Antoni's kind of got the same thing, where it's like, let Harden, let CP3 kind of run the show and then kind of just guide them a little bit. You don't have to be so hands-on. And I wonder if, is it because he's a Popovich disciple? Is it at times maybe Brett Brown feels like, I got to get my hands in here and kind of really like pull this team this way where it should just kind of be like, a, hey, you know what, let Joe, Jimmy, and Ben, and Toby kind of run this team, but then kind of throw in here and there an intermittent to kind of guide them rather than steer them. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when it comes down to it, the biggest thing that I want to see from Brett Brown is is I want to see the ability of late games transfer because Mm -hmm. we've seen Jimmy Butler be able to take over uh, the fourth quarter, but what if teams, let's let's say Toronto, are able to lock up Jimmy Butler? Because you're going to have Kawhi Leonard most likely on Jimmy Butler. If that does not work, are you going to feed the low post and give it to Joel Embiid and make him win it? I think he has the confidence to do it, but will he be able to make those shots? What if they have Marcus All out there and they lock up Joel Embiid? Will you be able to draw up a play to get Tobias Harris open, JJ Redick open, or are you going to give it to Ben Simmons and, and, and make him try to win the game? I think the biggest thing that he's going to need to be able to do is make sure his late game offenses work, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're going to be throwing out something to make sure he goes away with what he's comfortable with. Yeah. So how is he going to adapt, I think, is the biggest thing that you mentioned, Dave, um, especially when it comes to late game situations. Because we saw that against uh, Boston, did not work out for them. Uh, I think that if he he wants to take this team as far as they can go, he needs to be perfect, uh, especially in late games. Based off of what Dave said, I got a question for either one of you. Mm-hmm. If you're the 76ers, who would you rather see in the first round, the Pistons or the Nets? Doesn't matter. They won either way. Yeah, um, I say they've had the pits. The, they've had the Pistons number this year. I'm not concerned about them at all. I see. I'm on the other side. I feel like I'm not saying like for sure like the Pistons mm-hmm. would upset, but that's a team where I look at it and I go. If one person from the 76ers' main four is off, the Pistons could take advantage. See, I don't, I don't I even think so, because I think it's it's a Blake Griffin show. And well, if you Blake, think that Reggie Jackson's going to be reliable, just laugh laugh your way out the room. Like, that's yeah. not going to happen. I, that's the thing. He's like, never shown that in his entire career. Andre Drummond's a great rebounder, but Joel Embiid always gets the better of him. Owns him. him. It, 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 it's every single year he's since in existence. He's in Drummond's head. Exactly. 
Uh, it, it's it's hilarious. He puts on the clinic. So, so and, and that's the thing is like Blake can put up thirty five. Doesn't yeah. matter because I mean you don't have a, a defensive answer for Button Simmons on that team. Yeah. Uh, there's no one who's going to be well, able to guard him. And if and let's say hey let's they put Blake on him. All right, well who are you going to have on mm-hmm. you know Tobias Harris? Who are you going to have on Jimmy Butler? Um, you cannot stop the talent that that's on this team. And the I think thing, the Nets would be they fun. They just don't have enough shooting. Yeah, I think the Nets would be fun, but I I personally don't yeah, think love any team has an answer because kind of to go with that though mm-hmm. the thing i throw out there of course it's one game the last two between the pistons and 76ers were close but we've never seen both teams fully healthy yeah um because mb didn't play the one game and Sixers they also win by like two then when they come mm-hmm. to philly drummond has 21 um and bead plays that game as 24 it's butler who had zero points in that game. But they still didn't and have Blake Tobias Griffin. Harris. Yeah, I, and that's another mm-hmm. thing. Toby adds in the difference, but Blake didn't also play that game. I think that could be first round an to me interesting first-round series. But it doesn't matter to me. I think I think if they play the Pistons and play the Nets at worst, it's a five-game series. Um, let's move to the final question, yeah. and, and that's going to be, if the 76ers, let's say they have the hardest road, in your opinion, so whatever you think the hardest road is, so the hardest first-round matchup in your mind, the mm-hmm. hardest second-round possible matchup, Hardest third-round possible matchup, and obviously if they make it to the finals, uh, playing the Warriors or whoever you think the, the Western Conference are giving the, the, the toughest thing, it's the Warriors. Um, if they have the toughest road, how far do they get? And if they don't get there, um, what's their downfall? And if they do get there, uh, let's say to the finals, what is the, the, the saving grace of this team, if it's not something you've already mentioned? I think that they're... they're cl- uh, see, it's between the second round or third round right now for me. I, I don't, I don't. So know you don't think it's the finals. I, I think you said they, their peak is the finals. I think their think peak would be the finals, but if they go hardest road and they have to go up against the Raptors in round two, I would be a little concerned because that mm. just Kawhi Leonard has another gear, mm-hmm. and we've seen it out of him, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, that that yeah. Yep. So like that's the thing. I don't know. We don't know that anyone on the Sixers has that. Jimmy Butler's been great for us, but he's never taken us to the next level. And us, I'm going back to the Bulls mm-hmm. days, like when he went to the playoffs, never had, never was able to get that done. When he went to the Timberwolves, it was mm-hmm. all about getting there. And when he was there, he was so he was still hurt. He wasn't able to put forward much, uh, much effort, or not much. He gave it everything, but he just didn't have enough. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that Kawhi Jimmy matchup intrigues the hell out of me. So I, I would say hardest road they end up in. You know, second round or third round, and it's just the finals is peak. Like if they if they're clicking on on all gears, I don't think there's a team in the East that can beat them in a series of seven. Mm-hmm. So. I I would disagree with that. I think if they're clicking on on everything, I still mm-hmm. think that the the Bucks can beat them. I really? mean, we even see, we even see what an injured Bucks team was doing. Mm-hmm. And if they we're getting to the point where because if they're going to meet, they're going to meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. Correct. Rogan will be back. Um, not sure. Hopefully, Miritich. Well, they're it's they're a seven ten week injury or six weeks. to eight weeks. It was four to four to eight six. Mm-hmm. I thought it was okay. Four to eight. Because we looked at it last week. We did it. In the the oh, yeah, right. we, we, we talked about it last week and we yeah. said, yeah, worst he would be, or they were saying the best that if he if he came back at the, the first time, it'd be either like game five or six of the first round or the start of the second. Okay. Um. So you know, it'd be a. I think you'd probably be a fully healthy Milwaukee team. Yeah. And we saw how close it was in Milwaukee. It's true. Philadelphia still won. Yep. Um, but also, I think they're coming off the high of Joe turning it up a level. Yep. Um, I, I think that you know, even if they're clicking at, at full, I think Milwaukee still gives them a handful. Um, I, I would still say the same with the Raptors too. The Raptors really haven't found their groove with making all the additions. Jeremy Lin hasn't been great. Uh, Marcus All hasn't been great uh, for them. But I still feel like with with their length, their playoff experience, 
uh, I, I think that the Raptors would still get in trouble, even if the Philadelphia 76ers are clicking. I still can't put my faith into the 76ers yet mm-hmm. uh, of them you know, going in and winning a seven-game series. Uh, and, and I will gladly be proven wrong. If they go out and do it, congrats to them. They yep. deserve it. I just, I just want to be proven wrong. Uh, and right now I haven't been, and I need to see it. Um, I think it's more of a win streak right now than, than them actually coming together and clicking. Uh, I think that this can easily just be overturned by, you know, two bad games, two bad losses, and we see, you know, more blow up and more hostility uh, come out of this. The, uh, absolute, yeah, final thing. the absolute hardest road um, would be if they fall to the four seed, which I don't see happening. I have to go Celtics, Raptors, Bucks to the finals. But because I see them kind of sitting at the three when it's all said and done. Yeah, I doubt they fall from the third. Pistons, Raptors, Bucks. That's the hardest road. And I think they fall to a fully healthy buck in the Eastern Conference Finals because of, A, how much energy are they going to have to expend to get past Kawhi and the Raptors, and then they got to play Milwaukee. Well, and that's the thing, too, Milwaukee. is like we're talking about Joe being the catalyst mm-hmm. for them. If he goes up against Marcus All, Marcus is going to give him the toughest matchup yeah. that he'll see. Uh, probably until the finals if Boogie's fully healthy and clicking. Come on, could you imagine um, a Boogie versus Joe finals matchup? Fucking fun. Could the, you imagine the process versus the Warriors? It'd be great. The mind games, Twitter would be amazing. Post-game comments, like everything about that would be amazing. Just shit-talking fiesta. I love it. And then also, Kevin Durant would get the MVP. Uh, <laughs> also, if they're uh, you know getting teed up and stuff. Oh those, my God, those yeah, two, they, they those two bulls get tangled. They would get tossed. Great. Um, or even Draymond and Joe. That'd be fun. Draymond <laughs> yeah. and Joe would be great. See, that's uh, the matchup we all want to see, right? Is there a funner matchup for the finals than would, Warriors for Sixers? Bucks Warriors. Bucks Warriors, Sixers Warriors, I wouldn't care either way. No, I think 76ers Warriors would be the funnest. I think, that'd be just... I think Nuggets 76ers would be the funnest. Joe God, versus Jokic. Joe versus Jokic? Come on. That that's, would, that'd be the decider for Jake insane. and I. That'd be the decider for Jake and I. A seven-game yeah. series, Nuggets Sixers Finals. Whoever wins, it's the best center in the NBA. I would love it. And and could you imagine if the finals in 2019 <laughs> oh, was God. decided by fucking centers? That would be, be awesome. insane. Uh, all right. So uh, prediction for the 76ers is? They're going to lose in the Eastern, Eastern Conference, Conference Finals of the Bucks. Eastern I, Conference Finals of the Bucks. Eastern Conference Finals of the Bucks. And Eastern Conference Semifinals to the Raptors. Uh, to me. But hey, <laughs> I'll be proven wrong. And if you're a Sixer fan, let us know what you think down in the comments below. They're clicking. Maybe it's not just a maybe it's not just a phase, Mom. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe it's another fifteen. It's not just a phase, Mom. Maybe it's just another fifteen game win streak that they're gonna go on. But if oh, you're going into the that. the playoffs on a fifteen game win streak, that's too hot. Like that's the thing, is like we've seen this time and time again. When you're that hot, there's always a fall, there's always a collapse. Yeah. There's never not a collapse. So I, I think that's gonna be uh, the, the the crux of this team, but hey, fuck, maybe they're wrong, and maybe the maybe the, maybe the process will be finalized uh, with a ring. But we'll have to see uh, come June uh, when, when, the, when the when the finals are. Brian would be seen as like a wizard at that point, like just like how did you and not a Washington wizard, not a Washington wizard, like a li- real life wizard, <laughs> yeah. like a hat and everything. Yeah. Uh, but let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. But let's jump into our favorite weekly topic. Uh, before we jump into what boys, I just just want to say check out twitter.com. Uh, slash most valid pod. Uh, we've had a couple people. I think we've had like four or five people jump into the DM, start talking mm-hmm. to us. Uh, our good buddy Negro Damas is back. He was yeah. telling me uh, all about uh, Lamelo Ball. Uh, so if Lamelo Ball pans out to something, Negro Damas called it. Uh, <laughs> so shout out to him. Uh, and then uh, I mean, else? he's supposed to be the best of the ball trio. 
He is. Apparently, I don't know about that. LeVar um, at the beginning, like it was Lonzo's good, but LaMelo's supposed to be the best. Anyways, uh, let's, jump into, <laughs> let's jump into wet boys. Uh, Lonzo has never been a wet boy. Uh, actually, the first ever wet boy uh, was Patrick Beverly because he dad-dicked Lonzo. So uh, shout, shout out to uh, Pat Bev. Uh, but let's jump into wet boys. Uh, this is the weekly segment where we talk about the soggiest of shooters, the dampest of dudes, the moistest of men. Uh, these are the players that absolutely went off in the past week, uh, had phenomenal performances, crazy stat lines, historic performances, uh, you know, jaw-dropping moments. Uh, these are the guys that we give credit to. Uh, these are the uh, real MVPs of the uh, NBA season because if James Harden doesn't get one uh, this year, if he's not the MVP again, it's going to be a damn shame. If you, think it's, if you think yeah. Giannis is the MVP, you're, you're wrong. wrong. You're Giannis. wrong. You're wrong. It's absolutely wrong. You have never seen a more dominant offensive player than James Harden, and if James Harden wasn't on the Rockets, they'd be sold. They are that bad of a team. <laughs> they'd be that. They're, obviously, they won't be sold because Houston's a great market. Uh, but they'd be they'd be horrible. They they'd, would be 14th still. Fourteenth in the West. I don't know about fourteenth. They, they would be. They'd be better than like the Suns. The, the Suns would be worse. The Suns <laughs> would be fifteenth. Okay. Uh, I don't know. They'd probably be better than. Uh, That's where they were though when they started the streak. Though. That's true. When I mean, when James... where would you put them? Where would you put them in, in the in the, in the West? Would you put I'd put them below the Lakers? If if we like, without to James start Harden, the season without James Harden, take Ooh. James Harden off. Uh, yeah, they're below the Lakers. Below yeah. the T-Wolves? Yeah, they're probably right in that Grizzly range. Okay. Uh, you know, my favorite team in the world, And the that's Grizzlies. the thing, you, you take the Bucks off, you take uh, Giannis off the Bucks. they're still like a 4 or 5 seed. Like, they're yeah. still making the playoffs. They're better than the Pistons. Yeah. Uh, so, especially with Bud as Chris their coach. Mid, Bud, Bledsoe, Brogdon. Uh, so the real MVP Big is... Big Splash Mountain. So you're saying without Giannis, they're just the Hawks of the North. Pretty much. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is uh, that I want to get to is uh, James Harden's not uh, a wet boy this week. Uh, he Surprisingly, points. he, he had did a great up, performance. Yeah, though. put up 61 points uh, in like 27 or something, 24 in the first uh, quarter. Yeah. Uh, he's not a wet boy this week. He's amazing. Uh, Ricky, start us off with your wet boy. So my wet boy is a guy when he was in, like when we were talking about his draft class, this was before us three, this was um, before the fast break I mean, became before a I thing. Was born. Mario Hazonia is a wet boy for the first time ever, because he joins a a just unique class of characters um, headed by... No, Kurt Heinrich is not a bum, good sir. Mm, um, bum. He joins the unique class of guys who might not be the leader of their team, but they can do one thing. They can stop LeBron James. LeBron stops. And Mario Hazonia, given the look also to LeBron, like the straight disrespect of like, how dare you drive on me? How dare you, LeBron James, drive on Mario Hazonia? Did you not see what I did to Giannis a couple weeks ago where I put my nuts right in his face? Yeah. So Mario Hazonia, he's got nuts of steel, and he had one of the best blocks of the year. The play of the year in my book, he gets his first wet boy. It's pretty incredible. I don't know about incredible. He did two great things this season, but mostly that's been a bad. The fact that DeAndre next. Jordan like pushed him into it too also <laughs> helped. If you watch from the back, his hands just on his back the whole way. Um, still a bad contract for the Knicks. No, he has not been great. What are you talking about? He hasn't been great. It was a toss out contract. It was hey, we, a former you know top pick in the draft. We'll throw some money on for a year. See what happens. I mean, like it's not going to be you know it's not like Mozgov bad, them but to like nail down a big free agent last year. I'm just every saying, year. No, I'm just saying year? like this year. 
you know, it, he he was supposed to take a leap because we saw what he did with the the magic late in the season. Yeah, and he's been worse because they so, put him as four. Yeah. But then the Knicks refused to use a point guard or an offensive system and decided this is ISO ball, baby. Get out the <laughs> way. Grind, baby. Anyways, uh, no, there was no grit or grind. <laughs> Dave, it was just <laughs> sorry. No, go ahead. It, it was just ISO ball and shitty point guards. I mean, that's outside of the ISO ball. That's pretty much the magic. It's just shitty point guards. Yeah. Uh, let's go to at least. Moet Boy uh, nearly was Joel Embiid. He had a g- couple great performances, but I gotta go to the guy who gets it done, and the G stands for gets, and it's Jimmy Butler. Uh, he he had a great week. Uh, 24 points, 5 boards, 5 assists, uh, shooting pretty well, 44 and 40, respectively. But the thing is, when it's when it's clutch time, you go to Jimmy Butler. He, 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 is, he is the fourth quarter master right now, and the six-game win streak by the 76ers could not have been done without Jimmy Butler locking down games in the fourth quarter, hitting big shots, and, and playing selfless defense out there. So, credit to him. Uh, also, shout out to Jimmer for that. Coming back to the NBA, give it one more try, buddy. Uh, the Suns signed him. We'll and see. for the rest of the season, what, what are the expectations for Jimmy? Uh, I expect he gets just turnstiled on his first play on the on the court. Like, he's going to be up there, and either he gets shook or just to run right past him. He'll hit threes from midcourt. Like that's, will he? Oh, he really didn't do. He really didn't do that in the NBA. Hundred percent, he will. Hundred percent. All right. Uh, real quick, I'm gonna look up Jimmy Fredette's China stats just to see what uh, we, we got. Numbers. Um, no, I, I want to play a game. Oh, All right. Okay. So, uh, oh wow, he did he really? Wait, where's, where's the year by year? Oh, these, this is the year by year. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, so his international stats this season, uh, his points per game at 45, uh, 45 games, uh, shoot 47.6% from the field, 41% from three on yeah. 11.8 attempts, uh, <laughs> 91.6% from the free throw line. Uh, he's averaging 36 points. Yeah. Uh, I was going to put the over-under his, his, uh, for most in an NBA game this season uh, at his uh, average in China, uh, but it's, again, uh, 36 really, points. really, really great. Um, so let's put it at, like, 25. Over-under Jimmer. Uh, for for twenty five points uh, this year, my mind's at, at telling me point. no. But uh, I, I feel like Dev Booker's going to sit down a game or two towards the end, and Devin Booker is going to be okay with giving the green light over to the yeah, big I'm, shot taker and Jimmer. I'm going to say no. He gets the most he'll get is eighteen. 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 You're really low on Jimmer, huh? Like that's it's like Jimmer. his cap. Like, How do you not love Jimmer? He gets an eighteen. You. I don't know, man. Uh, I, I, I think I, I don't. Point. I don't know about twenty-seven. I'm trying to find his, his career high, uh, but I. It's can't a huge number from China. I'm sure. Search. Oh no, God, not from China. Uh, <laughs> I was like in the NBA. I think he put up like seventy um, or something in China. Oh no, not in the. Uh, so he put up two. Uh, sorry, his career his career high uh, in 2015, 2016. Uh, that year was a uh, four. Um, let's see. Uh, the next year, fourteen. Uh, did he ever have a twenty point game in the NBA? Uh, now you're making me twenty four. Uh, 24 against the Knicks, shocker, uh, in 2014. Uh, let's see, points 22 against Phoenix in 2012. And then his rookie year, he put up uh, 20. So 22 is his highest. So 24 is his highest. 24 is his highest. Yep. So you have to set a career, high, a career high at 25. High. If he's got eight and set in screens, he'll do it. Oh. Booker on the bench, eight and set in screens, he'll do it. 25, 27 points per It's per the Jimmer. Suns. It's the end of the year. Like, Fuck who it. else should take shots? Fuck it. it should Why be not? Jimmer. Um, let's, who let's, else should take shots? Let's go to my uh, wet boy. Uh, no relation to Jimmer, I think. Uh, D'Angelo no, Russell. Too safe on that one. 
You don't think he's related to Jimmy Butler? No. Or uh, Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy Fred at all? Nope, uh, neither. D'Angelo Russell, he was getting buckets like Jimmer used to uh, at BYU, but D'Angelo Russell leading a historic comeback against the Kings, uh, 32 points per game in, in this week, 12 assists, 3 steals, 49% from the field, 42% from 3. Uh, you thought they were down and out, dead in the water. Uh, Bogdan hit a shot that put him up like 104-79, uh, and D'Angelo Russell leads the comeback, scores 27 in the fourth. Uh, red hot. It felt like he was not missing in that fourth quarter. Uh, it was absolutely incredible. He was getting off shots too that it looked like his feet weren't even under him. Like they were just oh, yeah. like bad formed threes, and he was just sinking them. And the, like That's it was what the, he does. It was the nice sound where it's like nothing but net. And it's yeah. just like whoosh. yeah, it's the best. Uh, so D'Angelo Russell uh, getting buckets, absolutely fantastic. And I, I you got a max him at this point, right? Yeah. Who? What team's not gonna at least? I mean, if you're not the Nets. You might not give him the max right away. The Magic but some teams and the gonna, Suns yeah. would both throw near max money at him. Why Why near max? Why not Maybe just max? They might throw max. It might be max. Kid's 23. And he's an all-star. He's great. Yeah. And the Lakers traded him for yeah. well, nothing. And, for cap relief. And that's cap the thing relief. you forgot. The, this week, shooting that shot and then what? Telling the Staples Center to... Shh, be quiet. Simmer down Be now. quiet. Y'all ain't going to the playoffs. <laughs> no, they're not. And Brooklyn Nets are. So uh, what year is it? LeBron James is not <laughs> making the final, uh, the, the playoffs. Is this 2000, uh, what, 2000, early 2000s when the Nets were like a final? team? How old was D'Angelo Russell? Like 10? Uh, maybe. Uh, that's the thing. Is like D'Lo is uh, D'Lo's incredible and D'Lo's making the playoffs and LeBron in- James isn't. Interesting stat. Um, the last time LeBron didn't make the playoffs, ninety around 95% of the league was not in the league. Yeah, that's how long it's been. Not surprising. Damn. Uh, shout out Nazarene, too. Uh, anyways. For no reason. <laughs> no, shout out Nazarene. I'm surprised you didn't do what I did a year ago today and what? give, uh, give, it to give a what boy to a tourniquet like Nazarene. No, I mean, the only reason we did that last year was because it was a, uh, what was it called? It's a 16 over a 1. Yeah, 16 over a 1. I, de- Gar- Gar- I doubt Webb that's ever going to happen Gardner unless Webb someone. almost did it again. Unless someone beats Austin Carr's record for most po- uh, points in attorney, uh, I Doubt that's gonna yeah that's gonna so change so Ja you got to get it done ja, Ja's got to get it done if Ja, ja wins the Natty over Zion <laughs> no no well they play the final yeah, they, yeah, they play, play the final four I think that it's still be over him yeah if, if, the only way Ja gets one is if if he wins yep if he wins the uh the, what's it called the, uh, the tourney uh or beats Zion or if he puts up twenty twenty and twenty in the, in the tournament, if he does that, then yeah. But I mean, it's going to have to be a historic thing for him to get a, a wet boy yeah. this early. Uh, but he'll be getting plenty uh, next year. I'm sure. Uh, let's jump into the fantasy update real quick. We are now in second. Oh no! hundred and one points. Uh, we are in second place. Uh, so we are two points behind Super Hippo. Uh, so one hundred three, one hundred one. Uh, let's see where we need to make Kyle. a run. Uh huh. I think that's Kyle's team. Kyle. That's just his name, Kyle. Oh. <laughs> well, there's two Kyles. Yeah, I don't know which one. I just, I know it's Kyle. Uh, well, Super Hippo, and I, I know he's reached out to us on Twitter. Um, I just know him by his, his, his uh, Twitter avatar. Um, the Kyle, Kyle R., who's in the Fantasy Baseball League as well. Gotcha. Um, let's look at uh, at least where we, we need to improve. Uh, field goals made, we are f- in fourth uh, field goal percentage, we are still uh, not doing too hot. Uh, <laughs> we are uh, in ninth place. Uh, free throw percentage, we're also in ninth place. Uh, Three-pointers made, we are in second. Three-point percentage, we are in third. Rebounds, we are uh, number one. I'm wondering if we can just... All right, so we have a 400 rebound lead. <laughs> Do you think we could just bench Drummond? Drummond and play somebody else who actually can hit shots? Yeah, just bench Drummond because, I mean, like, he's only good for rebounds. 
Uh, probably. All right. Uh, assists, we are third. Steals, we are first. Blocks, we are third. And points, we are fourth. Uh, That's a so lot let's look, of lead. You're right. Let's Jesus. look at let's look at the, uh, the 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 free agents and see who we can add because we got to make a run here and and, and I, I I cannot I cannot just lose because I mean, we were we were number one. It felt so good. It did. Uh, so let's Do look you, at some. So of these we players. want field goals made, is what you said. Field goals made or field goal per, uh, free throw percentage. Those those are the ones that we are, are very low. The on. top in field goals made are like Emmanuel Moutier, Javale McGee at five point six five point one. But JaVale can't hit free throws. And free throw percentage is Marco Lonnie Bellinelli. Walker. Let's see. Lonnie Walker's hit six. Of, Take guys who've actually taken a uh, Bellinelli's hit uh, 110 out of 121. Um, what, oh, uh, Alfred Camino's hit 124 out of 145. Uh, Shabazz Napier, 115 out of 138. Uh, Shemet has taken 70 out of 84. He's shooting 83%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that could work. we could take Batum. He's at 77 out of 89. We need someone who's going to be playing. That's mm-hmm. the thing. So I think that Shemet's a good ad. I yeah, think I mean, his his numbers recently, they're on a four-game win streak, which is nice. Go Clippers. Farouk Amino could be a good ad. Uh, he's been... He's only he's he's very spur uh, the moment for his three or for his free throws. He's multiple zero games, so he's like two of two, three of four, four of four, three of three. But so I think that that could work out. Um, what about Bellinelli? He's getting like nine shots a game. Bellinelli is going to be one that's. I mean, because he, he's he's put up twelve, eleven, nine, seventeen, and eleven. Um, what about Damari Carroll? Three pointers. Uh, what about Damari Carroll? What I mean, I'm looking at his free throws, and of course, most of them are like. Two of two, three of four. There are some where it's like five of five, He's seven of eight. 75%. 10 of 13 against Denver. I think Bellinelli might be our best bet. Just he gets he gets the line often, and he gets enough shots, and it's Spurs team. Yeah, the thing, too, is DeMarco is shooting 39% from the field. So that's one that would take me back because 39% from the field, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not doing hot on that. Oh, we also have to drop uh, Malcolm. Because he's out for the regular season. Though. That's right. Well, yeah, we can. So we can make two moves. So let's mm-hmm. pick up Bellinelli. Uh, Bellinelli shooting forty two percent from the field. Uh, make so we'll, we'll make drop. two news. Drop uh, Brogdon. Then we're just gonna drop Drummond. <laughs> not dropping. We don't need him. him. <laughs> we're not gonna drop him outright. Um, no, we're not gonna drop Drummond because uh, someone can take him and, and win rebounds. Uh, let's <laughs> find field goal percentage. Um, Brogdon has made three hundred seventy eight and shooting fifty percent. Javale, should we do Javale? Uh, mm-hmm. I said Javale. Jetty got the Jetty could work. Jetty, he's making three. He's shooting forty two percent from the field and seventy eight percent from the line. Bryn Forbes, forty four percent from the field. And We're 80. just taking the entire Spurs. Is that is that Ooh, the line? Malik Beasley, forty eight percent from the field and ninety percent from the line. So he doesn't he doesn't hurt us from the line. He doesn't go a ton. Moutier too. I think someone said Moutier. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. the top for Ricky. Uh, or Shea Gilgis. Forty-seven percent from the field, eighty percent from the line. Mm. Gonna get us assists. But he only makes about four a game. What? Four what? Four shots a game. Yeah, but he's a he's a leader in field goals made. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I'm good with any of those guys. I, I think. Like, I'm flipping through numbers. Moody and McGee are gonna if they're gonna get us Wesley about five, Matthews, eighty-one percent from the line and forty percent from the field. Give us threes. I'm just trying to find guys. Like I'm trying to find bigs that can shoot free throws, which I mean, is impossible. Moutier oh, in his last well, six it games. It doesn't even need to be Thomas a big. Thomas Bryant, 62% from the field, 
81% from the line. It's pretty good. I'm just saying Moody in his last six games said 21, 14, 28, 7, 15, 21. What do free throw numbers look like? Uh, free throw numbers. He had a 9 out of 10 game, which is going to skew this a bit. Uh, three per game, 94%. Uh, so, I mean, you know, he's, he's, Moutier has pretty much been given the keys to the end the season for the Knicks. So I think Moutier might be a worthy pickup. He's, he's had some, he's had a couple of rough ones, but like. We got a lot of guards, though. Yeah. But, I mean, it's assists. Well, and it doesn't have to be a center because we can just put DeMarcus at the center. And then we have the. Yeah, but when they're all playing at the same time, we need to have some flexibility. I don't know. Let's see. I, I'm cool with Bellinelli and Moutier. I'm cool with uh, if we want to go Shea or Thomas Bryant. Let's do Moutier. Um, who are we dropping, though, for, for Moutier? Brogdon. We already did that. To pick up Bellinelli. Oh, I didn't know you I did thought we were just swapping Drummond to the bench for him and moving uh, well, DeMarcus we had, into we the had center. To pick him up. We had to pick up both Moutier and Bellinelli. Right. Oh, okay. So we need to drop somebody else. I saw an empty. In so our just leave it earlier. Just leave it. Don't pick up Moutier. Ricky, we could drop Derek White. Sure. Derek White's been hot though. Yeah, I'd hold on Derek White, I guess. Okay. All right. So that's what we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna not pick up uh, Moutier. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll start bench and drumming, um, and then we'll we'll, we'll roll with uh, we'll roll with the team we got. Um, hopefully that uh, hopefully we can keep up superhero uh, super 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 hippo. Uh, mm-hmm. for, for first place, hopefully we can beat them and uh, take back what is ours uh, in the Fantasy League. But let's move into the next topic, and we are going to welcome on our patron, John Woodson. Uh, I do keep want to keep saying John Wooden, uh, just looking at your name, John, but uh, we'll, we'll keep it into uh, the NBA side, and we'll call you Mike Woodson. Uh, we're going to talk about the NBA prospects, and again with John, if you haven't checked out his segment last week, or uh, last month uh, with Ricky and Dave, uh, they did a great segment on NBA sleepers. It's still relevant. Go back and check it out. Um, but today we're talking about someone who might have been a sleeper last year, but now is definitely on everybody's radar, especially if you're coming from the tournament. You saw the Marquette uh, Murray State update. John ja Morant, uh, he's been a guy that's been in our top three since day one, since mock draft number one. Uh, and now we are just being able to show this to the national media. And now we want to talk about where he fits on a team because, you know, we look at this and we're always talking about, you know, the Suns and Bulls need him. And, and, and he's, he's a great fit for them. But where is he going to do the best in his career? If he's drafted to a certain place, how will he do? And that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, what is the best fit for John Morant in the NBA? And that's pretty much going to be stuck to lottery teams because we look at it and with the lottery changing, you know, Cleveland has uh, a very high high chance of getting their one pick. Uh, Phoenix, New York all have 14%. Uh, Chicago, 125 Atlanta, 105 uh, Dallas, Atlanta, 9, 9, uh, 9%. But even all the way down to the Lakers, they have a 13.9% to be in the top four. Um, so that can mean... Even you know, the Sixers it, have a 0.5% chance that's true. of getting the number one overall pick. They probably wouldn't take John with that pick. <laughs> But well, no, no team will. But if you look at the top four, I mean, there's a, there's a nine point four percent chance that Minnesota ends up in the top four. That can mean top two, yeah. and that's where we're looking, Jamarat, right after Zion Williamson. So let's talk about the teams in the lottery. Uh, that includes you know Boston with Sacramento's pick, or the 76ers, Orlando, Charlotte, Minnesota, Los Angeles Lakers, New Orleans, Washington, Memphis, uh, Atlanta via Dallas. Dallas uh, would get that. Um, if it if it is top two, um, Atlanta again with their own pick, Chicago, Cleveland, Phoenix, and New York. Um, let's talk about which place would best fit John Morant. So let's over, you know disregard fit and let's look at the actual culture. Let's look at the actual team. Um, which place will help John Morant the most and help him become a star? 
Um, John, we're going to start off with you. I, I first want to ask you, because I know we were talking a little bit about Zion before we started, and you were you know, praising him like everyone has. Um, where do you sit on John Morant as a prospect? Um, you're, you're saying you put together mock drafts. Um, where do you have him going in your mock draft? Oh, I have him going second, okay. regardless of team. Ooh, regardless of team. I like that. So you don't have a problem with um, him playing next to Colin Sexton like I, I don't? Well, it depends how you approach it. I approach it differently. I think <laughs> if you're a top three pick, your talent level supersedes fit. I think that you're a franchise player and a team should select you based on your talent and build around you. I 100% agree. And that's what I've yeah. been trying to say to, to Ricky and Dave. I mean, you know, I, I, I think Colin And the Sexton, comment section. And the comment section. Uh, you know, looking at, you know, Colin Sexton, he wasn't, you know, eighth overall pick, and that's huge. But, I mean, John Morant could be a superstar walking in. Colin Sexton's going to need time to get there, I feel. Um, if he ever gets there, John Morant might walk in and, and post a triple double right away. We don't know, um, but and I'm not going to give him that much credit. But I mean, he's going to be a guy that puts yeah. up his numbers right away. Um, I, I think you cannot pass him if you think he is the best player. If you think RJ is the best player, then obviously go with it. Go with your own rankings. Um, but if you think John Morant's the best player, take him uh, in the uh, in, in the top three. Um, but let's look at at least the fit. And John, what place in the lottery do you think he is going to fit best for his career? Uh, I think Phoenix and Orlando, uh, and probably Chicago is close third. All right. Dave, looking at Phoenix, yeah. Chicago, um, and, and, and the teams that John said, which team do you think is, is one of the best fits for him? I'm just going to get Chicago out of the way right off the bat. I'm going to leave that for Ricky. So just leave, leave your hot takes for Ricky Chicago. Uh, I think the Phoenix fit would actually be really nice because it adds in a pure playmaker. John Morant has amazing court vision. Uh, he's able to pass out of both hands, lefty or righty. He's super creative. It's weird because he's a right-handed player, but his passes with the left, like he does underhooks, he does uh, straight up like slide passes. Like he's just get extremely creative with that. And I think that him having a coach in Igor, who we know his systems in the past have been so dependent on having a creative playmaker, that I think that they would actually <clears throat> have a pretty instant amount of success by adding in a, an actual legitimate point guard to that team, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, that combo would be one of the best young trios in the NBA. Like, everybody was so hopeful for, you know, Minnesota's trio, mm -hmm. Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns. They're old news. Obviously, things did not pan out the right way. But Devin Booker's still amazing. He's one of the best scorers in the NBA. I think DeAndre Ayton is putting up like 16-10 and 10 on crazy efficiency without having a point guard. And if you add John Morant to that trio... That is absolutely disgusting and an absolute recipe for an offensive success. And let's talk about Phoenix first, just because I was having this conversation yesterday with a couple friends, and um, one of them was saying that Ja and uh, Devin Booker would not fit next to each other because Devin Bur Booker works best with the ball in his hands. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll go to John. I, I just want to get your your sense of that. Do you think that Ja Morant and Devin Booker would you know would would clash with one another? Because you, you do think it's one of the better fits for them. Um, do you have that worry that they might clash with one another? Devin Booker is one of the best shooters in the league. He's a very good spot-up shooter. I don't think they would clash at all. Devin Booker has been forced to do a lot of playmaking and ball handling now, but to take that off of him and just be able to outright score and probably, you know, help, you know, on defense a little more, it would help Devin Booker's career. There's there's no overlap. You know, it'd be like Chris Paul and James Harden, you know. 
That's what I was Ooh. thinking too. I mean, maybe not to to the James Harden, Chris Paul level, um, but I, I think at least with the three point shooting percentage and, and at least the working off ball one hundred percent, because that's what Devin Booker was in college was a spot up shooter, and he shot forty one percent from three. Um, and if you're saying you're giving Devin Booker wide open looks, whether he's creating those himself or he's getting that from a pass from John Morant cross quarter, DeAndre Ayton passing out of the low post, you know, when a double team's collapsing on him, he's going to hit that shot. Um, so th- that's what I was trying to, you know, push to my friends. But, you know, when, when they think Devin Booker's got seven assists, that means that he's a great point guard. Um, I, I look at the Suns and I think that that's probably the best place for him to play just because I think the spacing is going to be there. But I said that, mm-hmm. and Ricky kind of made a grimace. So well, where do you think the best place for him is? It's not the absolute best. The one thing I will say was, because the Suns are my, to me there's only two teams, the Suns and then obviously the team I'm going to say in a second. But the thing I was thinking about, kind of to take John's comparison and raise it up a level, if the Suns had John Morant, I could see Devin Booker and – Ja kind of being like their own version of Russ and Katie where Katie was a guy where you can give him the ball. He can work with the ball, but was he going to be the main ball handler? No, Russ was going to be the main ball handler and they could kind of do not say it's the exact same because obviously Katie is taller and bigger than Devin Booker, but you can do the same thing with that where Ja would be your main ball handler. But if the game was on the line, who are you going to give the ball to either of them? But Devin Booker would be your first choice. I know we're we're getting too much into pro comparisons here, mm-hmm. but I, I think that's not it's a, a terrible comp. But I, I think you could probably just do it with two guards and probably say it's going to be more like John Wall and and Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal. Mm, which, which one would you rather be compared to, John Wall, Bradley Beal, or Russ and KD? Or which one's more? Response? Which one's more accurate? <laughs> yeah, I mean, nobody, nobody wants to be compared to John Wall. <laughs> <laughs> that means you're not on the court. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you're if you're saying you know to John Morant that he's going to get paid forty seven million dollars when he's thirty four years old. I don't think he's going to say no to that. Maybe not. Maybe uh, not. But I, I think Phoenix is definitely an interesting one. What was the second team though? The Bulls. The okay. Bulls are the number one clear fit. That like and yes, I am coming in with rose colored glasses, those red colored glasses. But to me, there is only two prospects I want in this draft for the Bulls: Zion if we get number one, and Ja if we get number two. Because if this team gets Ja, the way I see him fitting with Zach, Laurie, Otto Porter, Wendell Carter, our we're not going to be probably playoffs the first year, but ooh, our future looks bright. That future looks so bright. And then we just got to get the right coach. Okay. And that's the thing that Phoenix has over us. They have a coach. We don't. Are you saying Jim Boylan isn't our answer? I, you know what? Ever since like the late of the year, like they've been playing good and it's weird. But no, Jim Boylan is not the future. Here's the thing I'll say with the Bulls. And, and you're saying that you like the fit because mm-hmm. of personal reasons, clearly. Um, but how does he fit with that starting lineup? Because I think one thing that you can say with with Zach and, and and it doesn't work with Devin Booker is that I think Zach does need the ball in his hands to be dangerous where mm-hmm. I think like we were talking earlier Devin Booker does not need that and if you're taking the ball away from Zach Levine who right now is you know a plus 20 point game of scorer and you're moving him off ball again like he was in Minnesota where he wasn't this type of player he was a very good starter obviously he was putting up 18 points he as a third shooting player incredibly well as the third option on a team but yes, he's never but do, he's do you wanna... never had a point guard though of the caliber that John Morant could be he had Tyus Jones in Minnesota and now he's got Chris we Dunn. Ricky Rubio yeah, well, Ricky Rubio well, Ri- so. I would say Ricky Rubio got better after he left Minnesota 
The Ricky Rubio well, yeah. we've seen in Utah is better than Didn't the one I don't we saw disagree with that, but in Minnesota. But Ricky was still a great passer. Yeah, yeah, he's an incredible passer. He just wasn't able to space the floor as well. But no, I, I, I think that Levine has proven that he's good without the ball in his hands mm-hmm. to that extent earlier in his career. I think Zach's pretty much just a scuffed version of Devin Booker, so I don't see any problems with the fit there. I'm, I'm saying more of the fact that I think Devin Booker can still be an all-star with the ball not in his hand every single possession, where I don't mm. think Zach will be to that level. I think Zach is still going to be a great starter. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's going to be uh, you know all of a sudden become ass <laughs> and start scoring like 15 points a game on terrible right. shooting. Um, I, I think that it's just going to be you know harder for him to get his, and I think you know do you really want to take that away from it? Maybe he becomes more efficient and the offense becomes more efficient. And that's great. Um, and I think that they are still a top three fit. Um, I would personally probably put Phoenix number one just because I love the the two guard fit of uh, Morant Booker, and then obviously just seeing a pick and roll with John Morant and DeAndre Ayton would be absolutely nasty. Yeah. Um, I think Chicago and probably Jackson on the wing. Yep. Yeah. And Jackson on the wing, mm-hmm. crazy athletic. Yeah, it's true. Um, and and even uh, you know TJ Warren, who they just extended, and uh, Mikael Bridges too. Um, and you're gonna have great wings out there. They um, resign Kelly Oubre. Like they've they've mm-hmm. got a really deep team. Uh, but the thing comes down to, like, do you think that that fit is better off than the Bulls fit? Because I'm I'm so close to pulling the trigger on saying the Suns is better. Like I, the, I like their wing depth better. One of the main reasons why yeah. I also think the Bulls is better is I'll ask you this: Which team and take? I kind of want to say take conference out of it because the Suns are kind of behind a bigger eight ball than the Bulls would be, but put Ja on the team, which team is making consistent playoff runs the quickest? The Bulls with Ja or the Suns with Ja? Well, it's, no, it's different. Only Chicago because they're in the East. Well, it, a tougher, tougher competition. And yeah. that's the one well, thing I was like, of course yeah. the Bulls have an easier and road. I, they're in the East. And not even that. I think they're just a more talented team because you, you, I mean, you have – Levine, who's near an all-star, mm-hmm. marketing when healthy is, you know, a 20 and 10 guy. You assume that Wendell Carter, a top 10 pick, is going to be a very good center for you. And you look at, you know, Chris Dunn, who is also a top 10 pick, who will probably go to a bench role um, if they do draft John Morant. Um, yeah, you you got to look at Otto Porter as well. Yeah. Um, Otto Porter has been fantastic for the Chicago Bulls. So it's a much more talented team uh, than, than uh, Phoenix. I think they're so, pretty close. I honestly do. I, I, I Come on, when you when you pair it up, you go straight up. You go Devin Booker versus Zach Levine. Everyone's going to take Devin Booker yeah. at the three. If you want to put up either Ubre, Jackson, McHale versus mm-hmm. Porter, and then at the four you got Markkinen versus Warren or Jackson. I'll take Markkinen. And then five, Aiton is going to win over Wendell Carter. Yeah. So I mean, like I think that it, it's it's a very narrow thing there, but <clears throat> the Suns have had talent in the past, and they've not never been able to do anything with it. Obviously, the last couple of years it's been that lack of depth at the point guard position. Mm-hmm. And we want to point the finger and say, that's why you don't, that's why you can't win. You don't have a point guard. But the question is, is do you think that, you know, whether they've had all that talent or not, I still think they've underperformed regardless. I think that mm-hmm. that Phoenix team has been a lottery team for forever and their, their lack of production, even with talent concerns me. So I wonder if adding John so, Rant, you're still not going to get over the hump. You, so you think that, I mean, obviously adding him right away is going to be tough to overcome the hump in year one uh, in the Western Conference. But you think it's going to be tough for them to overcome? Overcome? Like, you don't think talent can overcome I, that just mess that is the front office of I don't, Phoenix? I, 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 I question coaching because we've been through multiple coaches. I question the front office, same thing. It's just something about that team hasn't been able to kind of hit its groove over the past five years. And you just start to wonder, like, 
can you put the right pieces next to Devin Booker to actually make them win games? All right, let's 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 bring this to John then. So, John, if you if you do if you're looking at the you know landscape of Phoenix, um, do you think it is possible that you know possibly John Morant just doesn't work there just because of what Phoenix is, or do you think the talent of Phoenix, if they have Morant, Booker, Aiton, and the the plentiful uh, wings that they do have, um, can overcome the landscape that is Phoenix? No, I think John Morant makes anything work. I think if he were on Phoenix in two or three years, he could be the second best player. I think if he was in Chicago in two years, he'd be the best player for Chicago. I think he'd take out his team over them. Who do you think would be the best player on Phoenix? Do you think it would be Aiton or Booker? Booker. Okay. I I think that it's interesting just because both teams obviously aren't great when it comes to the front office. Obviously, as you know, you guys being Chicago Bulls fans, you've been complaining about Garpex forever. Um, Robert Sarver is one of the worst owners in the mm-hmm. in the NBA um, for the Phoenix Suns. They Might currently the don't ha- yeah, they currently don't have a GM. Uh, they have an interim GM in James Jones who just got out of the league, so um, not a ton of experience there. And they're looking to even hire uh, John Paxson. He was one of the guys that was getting an interview. So um, I-, I think both both be a mess. Um, but again, talent wise, both teams would be incredible if they they've drafted John Morant. Um, let's get away from those teams, though, because mm-hmm. Phoenix and Chicago, we've, can, we've always talked about them going because they need a point guard. But is it, you know, look outside the point guard need and, and what places like roster wise and then also maybe culture wise would fit for for John Morant? Like, do you think he'd be a good fit in New York if they end up getting the two spot um, and, and Zion obviously isn't there? Yeah, if they're at the two, I'd be tempted to take him. But I, I go back to like how much do they believe in their free agency plan. I don't know that he is that much ahead of R.J. Barrett on their boards to say, well, if we take John Morant, what happens if our plan is always to get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in here? John Morant doesn't fit on that team. So I would I would be hesitant to put him above R.J. Barrett if I were the Knicks because I think R.J. Barrett works regardless of those two guys that they pick up, regardless of anybody else free agency-wise that they've been rumored to be looking at. I think R.J. just is a safer fit, mm-hmm. like, He's uh, scheme agnostic. Like it doesn't matter where you put him. RJ will be RJ. I feel. I think Ja really needs to hit a team that can utilize him and all of his abilities. So I, I would look past uh, the Knicks if they got bumped out of that number one spot. I've got a sleeper one, and by sleeper one, I mean like they've got a less than five percent chance at the number one, mm-hmm. and only a twenty percent chance right now at a top four pick. What about the Pelicans? They're a team that let's say they get a top three pick. Let's say it's they get the two pick or it's, let's say, anybody New York and then the Pelicans. Because like Dave was saying, New York could still at two go, no, we've got our point guards. We're going to go RJ over a jaw and then jaw falls to three. This is a team that still has Anthony Davis. It has Drew Holiday, who we've seen before when he was paired. I know Rondo was different, but when point guard, hey, we're going to move Drew over the two. This could be something where if they get jaw, put jaw at the one. Drew at the two. Then, if you start winning games, if Anthony Davis is still playing games at the beginning, because, hey, look, at we got a good player for you. Let's see how this rolls. Maybe gets Anthony Davis to buy back in to New Orleans. I know that's a lot, but just play with it for a second. If you get Julius Randle back after he declines his player op, that could be something for the Pelicans getting John Morant on that team. I don't think there's a way you keep Anthony Davis at all I think he's he's you know worn his welcome both as a player and just you know in, in that city so I think if you're getting rid of I mean if you're drafting I mean no matter what Anthony Davis mm-hmm. is not a Pelican that's what I'm saying I don't think he wants to stay there and I don't think he's he's going to be around for a long time 
Um, and that's whether you draft, you know, John Morant, he, he plays fantastically. I think, though, you know, pairing him with Drew Holiday would definitely be interesting, but it, it definitely will have to rely on who they pick up in free agency um, to score on that team. Because John Morant, you know, might come in and average, like, you know, 15 to 12 points. Um, and Drew is, you know, decent for about 18, uh, probably at his best. But I don't know who's going to be the actual go-to scorer on that team, and that would concern me. Um, should we bring up the Lakers? Because there is I almost, a force, I there almost is thought a, about it. There is a chance, 13.9% chance, that they, they have a top-four pick. Um, let's go to John. John, I know you're you're more of an East Coast guy, but you're, you definitely know the name LeBron James and uh, <laughs> the fact that he's you know missing the playoffs for the first time since 2004, 2005. Um, so what do you think about you know John Morant there for Los Angeles? Let's say that RJ Barrett's off the board. Let's say that Zion's off the board. They get the top three pick. Would it be a mess if the Lakers took John Morant? Oh, the Lakers are a mess. It would be a mess. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, I answer it for everybody. Everybody would take John Morant. There's only if 30 teams have equal chance of getting a number two pick. Then there's probably only if the Warriors, the Rockets, if Kyrie stays in Boston. So, I mean, there's 26 teams that would take John Morant over R.J. Barrett. So, you know, I, I think that any, any, any team that you name other than those three may be a possible four, they're going to take John Morant over R.J. Barrett. He's that good. Hmm. Do you think he'd just be used in a, as a trade piece, though? Because obviously the whole thing for Los Angeles would be, you know, to get Anthony Davis. The question would be then to you, um, if you're the Lakers, who would you rather have building around LeBron James? Uh, would it be RJ? Uh, would it be John Moran, I'm sorry, uh, or Anthony Davis? Number one, the NBA is a business. They're there to make money. It's true. And anybody who's smart in the NBA who wants to make money, you don't trade a player with a 40-inch vertical, no matter what. <laughs> You're going to sell tickets, you're going to sell jerseys, you're going to be on primetime TV. Any player or art, John Moran's talent level, you're not going to trade. You're going to sell those tickets and build a team around them. So you don't think he could get Wiggins out of this deal? Like, Because that's exactly what I would see. I think that if the Lakers ended up with the number two pick, <clears throat> they could absolutely turn around and be like, so let's renegotiate that deal for Anthony Davis like we can give you the number two pick in the draft plus you know a couple of guys who've been recent pickups by the Lakers. I, I just I don't know that his timeline fits LeBron James's, even though I think that would mean it's an amazing pair. Like being able to have John Morant out there mm -hmm. play with LeBron James would be awesome. Their fast break game would be insane. Um, but I'm just I, I think that his value is so high that mm -hmm. that would be like the ultimate leverage, and it would be used exactly like. You know, Wiggins for Kevin Love, it would be the same thing in this case. So I just want to throw this out there. Of course, he could be put into a deal with Anthony Davis if they do keep Lonzo, though. Because Jod, there's a lot of people saying that he's got a lot of combo to him. Could you run a Lonzo at the point, Jod the two as your mm -hmm. combo guard, and then LeBron out there also? One's got to go, in my my opinion. They, they I mean, I at least off Offensively, they play too similar. John, jump in the. I think Josh Hart's better than Lonzo Ball. Yeah, they 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 move <laughs> Lonzo Ball in a, in a three way three way trade any day. That and actually could be out there that would do it. You know, Phoenix would do it. Orlando would do it. You know, if they don't if they don't get the second pick, they get mm -hmm. the third pick, and they end up taking R.J. Barrett. They still need a point guard. I think Orlando and Phoenix will go for it. Yeah, I, I think that. 
you know, with, with with Lonzo, I mean, not only is he probably not a great fit next to LeBron, he is a great defender, um, and he's their best defender for sure. But offensively, he's not a a great fit next to him. Um, I, I think wonder, the, the they, biggest thing he... though would be the age. I mean, you look at him, and, and yeah. I think Lonzo is young, uh, older than uh, than John Morant. And even even if they're age. even if they're the same age, they do have. I mean, you'll have Ja under uh, contract for longer. So yeah. that would I wonder be a if they thing. would flip it then and take John Morant and then move Lonzo Ball out of town. That's like, what, yeah, I that's what I was saying. That. That's what I was saying. Yeah, and uh, I think that'd be interesting. And, and, and let's say even if they do move him and yeah, they move him for Anthony Davis, he's going to end up like a, a Pelican, like like Ricky yeah. was saying, he like the fit. Um, is there a team he does not fit with? Is there a team in this lottery that does not fit fit with? Would it be I Washington? Just, I, I was going to say Atlanta. Like mm-hmm. I love Atlanta. I love Trey Young. Yeah, so I, I don't think that I would want the ball out of his hands. Or I don't think I would try to draft another point guard who hasn't shown elite outside shooting uh, to pair with him. I think there are some other guards you can pair with him, but I don't think John Morant and Trey Young's play styles would work very well. Uh, I think Washington, I would have no problem because John Especially Wall's because he's hurt. John Wall's hurt for the majority of this year, so mm-hmm. I'm already writing this year off. If he comes back All Star breakish, that'd be great, but. Minus that, like you get a full run here with John Rant and Bradley Beal out there. And at that point, you can figure out, you know, what is it going to take to move this team forward? And it, it gives you the best uh, the best prospect in the draft outside of Zion Williamson. I don't think you pass up because you're stuck with the worst contract in the NBA. Mm-hmm. John, where do you where do you feel that he would not fit uh, in the NBA? Uh, Atlanta, I agree with Atlanta. Um, Golden State, Houston, uh, Portland. You know, the teams with like all star caliber point guards. Do you think basically anybody else in the lottery, though, up for grabs, like just because he's that good? Yeah, I mean, he's going second for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> so the team at eight, yeah, they want the second best player in, in the draft, no question. It just happens to be John Morant this year. I think, at least looking at it, I still wouldn't be too thrilled with the Washington pickup. I mean, like, if we're looking at them at two, mm-hmm. I think that RJ would probably be more of a better fit for them. Oh, yeah. Uh, just for his ability to drive, Beal's ability to shoot from the outside. Um, it also takes off ball handling duties from Bradley Beal. It's not like he's a bad ball handler, but he's also... He's been putting up, like, 28, you know, yeah, like, but it, but five and six or I th- something. I think it makes it easier for him, and it'll make him more efficient. Um, and I think RJ is, you know, a, a very talented passer as is. It, it's going to be a, more of a natural fit than, um, you know, him and John Wall because then both guys will at least be able to ha- do their ball handling uh, duties, still be able to run the offense, still be able to score, still be able to slash, and still be able to, uh, to dish out to an elite scorer and, and Beal or Barrett. Um, I, I think that uh, Washington, if, if they're picking two, I, I don't see why you would take John Morant just because, again, you are paying John Wall $47 million. I know that fit doesn't matter when you're picking top three, like John said, but at least looking at the, the construction of the roster, I think that that does at least matter a little bit. Um, you know, if you're, again, if like the Warriors were picking two, um, you wouldn't be taking him because you have Steph Curry. Obviously, it's not would happening in this universe. I totally would. If I was the, if the Warriors magic their way <laughs> up to the number two pick in this draft, which I is would, impossible, I would absolutely take him. Why? Because they need a bench point guard. You're gonna put, you're gonna draft John Morant and put him on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where where, where is the question, Dave? You run a six man. Li- you you can basically put him in a six man lineup because you were replacing Shandre Livendala, the greatest six man ever. And you want to know how they get up there? Lakers get the two sign and trade Clay Thompson to the Lakers. Oh, oh, Boom. All right. <laughs> Clay Thompson is worth the second overall pick. Um, you're right. He's worth more than that. You think uh, if Charlotte landed that high? 
they would they would make a move like that knowing that Kemba's on the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, cost effective. Yeah, but does they it, wouldn't have to resign their point guard currently. But I, I think with Kemba though, it, with that, I mean, you're you're going to resign him not because of the fit for Kemba and who you're trying to go with. I mean, Kemba, is, I think but he's got to be near the dirt. They're cap tight. Yes, so, but but you, I mean, they, they could still go over the cap because they have. Uh, Thomas Right, but it's still the question of like, does that scare him off from being like, yeah, no, I, I was on the fence about coming back to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Now I'm definitely uh, taking the contract somewhere else. Yes, but if 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 Kemba wants to come back, I think you resign him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is he's got to be looked at as probably the best player in Charlotte Hornet history. Um, just what he's done for that franchise and what he's done over a long career. Because yeah. you know, someone might look at the peak of Larry Johnson or Alonzo Mourning as higher than Kemba Walker, but they did not have the longevity that Kemba had. Um, in Charlotte. So I think that would be the biggest thing for them. I think if he wants to come back, you you let him come back. And if that means you play, you know, John Moran off the bench, you play John Moran off the bench, or if you try to work them in the two-guard. Kind of at the two-guard. Yeah, yeah. two-guard uh, starting lineup, then you do that. Um, but I, I think that the, the worst one would probably be Washington in my mind. Because um, even you look at Memphis, I think Memphis would be a good fit. John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. would be nasty. And then you have a, a mentor in Mike Conley. Um, that would be absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, even with Atlanta, I know that people are, you, know, you guys are saying that. Um, Dude, it's Trey Young. Like, as much as you want to crap on that kid. Well, here's the thing. He's that been Atlanta amazing will, Atlanta has gone on. getting the top two will be extremely tough because they only have that one shot um, at 42.1% because they don't have that Dallas chance. Mm-hmm, um, right. And even if they get that two, um, like, you're, you're looking at the, 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 the Trey Young thing. I would still say that their best option might just be uh, to trade back because then you're just loading up more assets and then you have the ability to just, you know, take on other players. I don't think it'd be, a, I mean, it'd be a bad fit for John Morant. So I think that would probably, I mean, I don't want to, you know, crap on the same thing. What about uh, if Dallas got the two, though? Oh, could he pair with Dallas Luka? and Luka? Or John Luca? I think that'd be interesting because I don't think Luca like, Luca's not a player where it's like, he's our point guard. Like, he's the only one. It wouldn't be bad having two ball handlers like Luca and John on the same team. No, I mean, look at what Jalen Brunson and uh, Luca did together. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be a fantastic pick for, pick for Dallas. Yeah, I'm just curious, like, what, how their offense would really run at that point. Um, because Luca is so good with the ball in his hands as a mm-hmm. creator. But he, like you said, he's also not 100% reliant yeah. to have that ball being forced into his hands. So, I don't know, John, what do you think? Yeah, I think Lucas should have the ball in his hand. I don't think they should pair him with the point guard. I think Lucas should be surrounded with all types of shooters and rebounders. Lucas mm-hmm. is an amazing player. He's going to supersede what we think about him. Yeah. No, I mean, it's fair to say, like, I, I could see Luca with a similar situation. Though. Like, what we always describe as, like, LeBron's ideal situation is mm-hmm. just give him a bunch of shooters and wing perimeter defenders. That's ideal. Luca, I could see a very similar team need, you know, trying to fill a team around him like that, not wanting the ball out of his hands. Yeah. Final thing that I think we can we can cover with John Morant is um, I think that <coughs> this guy's probably going to come in the league and dominate uh, probably right away. But if we're looking at one skill that he doesn't have and needs to develop, well, what do you think that is, John? Uh, experience. <laughs> I think he. I don't. I don't think he has. I haven't seen any limitations. He's too young, and I can't say I say anything. Height. We can't grow, and, and he doesn't have experience. I think that's it. And here's the, here's the question for Ricky and uh, Dave. Mm-hmm. 
John Morant, next is his rookie season, worse or better than uh, Derrick Rose? I actually sent a tweet to Dave where I saw someone say, you know, when I watch uh, John Moran, I see a lot of young Derrick Rose. Hold on here. Let me pull up Derrick Rose's stats because Derrick Rose was rookie of the year. No, 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 not stats. Don't overplay the stats. <laughs> okay. You know, come on. Well, if you're not you playing, know, you got, I will say, you, you, you got to. You have to use your eyes to analyze basketball. Okay, oh. but if you're asking, if you're asking or, or Ricky. If it's the eye test, yes. Hold on, hold on. If you're asking. No, because the only thing that counts in the NBA is wins and losses. Hold on, but the only thing I will say with that is if you're asking Ricky Wimmer to do the eye test, he's going to pick Derrick Rose because this guy is the biggest homer you've ever met in your life. So that's the only reason why I was going to bring up stats is to actually bring up some facts. Well, all right, how about this? Next you asked this question to Ricky. Mm-hmm. Worse or better, John Moran in a Bulls uniform versus Derrick Rose? Who would you rather as a starting point guard next year? You get the picture of John Moran in a Bulls uniform. Yeah, I'm going to say John Moran. You want to know what? why? You want to know why? I don't see Jaws knees giving out on him. I don't see that injury oh, happening. He doesn't, but actually, here, rookie season, though. Rookie season. But, and I think you make a good point, though, because I'm pulling up the Bulls roster from the year that Derrick Rose was a rookie. And you look at it, our two guards were Captain Kirk and Ben Gordon. Then you, we had Luau Dang at the three. Then uh, Joe Keem was at the five. This is a team where, like, Joe Keem, second year in the league, just like Wendell Carter. You've got Ben Gordon, who was a fourth-year pro at that point, kind of similar to the Zach Levine thing. Um, we've got Luol Deng was in his fourth year as a pro. Like, the, Ja could come into the Bulls and do a similar thing that Derrick Rose did because the teams age-wise yeah. are similar. You D- think Rose, he could flip their record pretty much? Yeah. I, mean, I think he could. D- Ro- D- I mean, D- Rose, D- Rose flipped it. Uh, it had a, had a smaller flip to go from uh, – to, from fourth in the, the NBA Central to where the Bulls are now. Uh, they were 33 and 49, and then they went to 41 and 41 and made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, lost in the first round uh, to, uh, to to Boston in, in seven. I'm surprised you took John Morant there just because Derrick Rose being the Chicago kid coming off. I mean, you didn't mm-hmm. know what Derrick Rose's knees were going to do as a, a rookie. Yeah, this, well, year, hindsight's, and that's what always, hi- hindsight's always 2020, but also. I mean, there was something magic about D Rose as a rookie. The league is also oh, yeah. totally different. Um, and with Derrick Rose, though, it is like Dave said, there's something about him. Like it was totally different. And what did Derrick Rose do? He made a championship like run in the NCAA tournament. We'll see if Ja has the same thing in him. I mean, if he does that, that's going to be historic as a I 12 mean, seed. They but... both come from non power five schools. Um, yeah, well, but, Memphis, I mean, yeah, Memphis great, is yeah, higher than Murray State. Yeah, yeah, and Memphis, I also think, was a top five seed, right? Yeah, that was California um, before yeah. went to Kentucky. So, yeah. the, the thing I will bring up, though, is if we're bringing up D. Rose and John Morant, mm-hmm. will John Morant ever be an MVP in the in the league? Yeah, I could see it. I don't think so. On People the right love team. triple doubles. Like, how well, much? not anymore. Russ killed the triple double. <laughs> well, people want to compare him. Like, the lazy comparison that I've heard, other than Derrick Rose, is Russell Westbrook, just because mm-hmm. of the athleticism, the ability to close it, uh, up or to go up at the rim level like he has mm-hmm. everything from a finisher standpoint he lands horribly which scares the crap out of me at times so and he has a better three-point shot than Derek Rose. he does have a much better three-point shot than d rose so well yeah john you were gonna you were gonna say something about uh, the mvp thing what, what's your take on that i think there's too much talent in the league i don't i don't think i don't think john morant's gonna be winning the mvp but that doesn't mean he, he won't be as good of a player Derek rose was Derrick Rose coming across the half-court line, there wasn't a player or a team that could keep him from laying the ball off the backboard. 
Yeah, and I think that yeah. you know John Moran has shown that in college, but I don't think it's to the extent that Derrick Rose was. Yeah. Um, and especially, you know, we saw you know D Rose do that time and time out against top level competition, where yeah. you know yep. he, you know he was great against Marquette. Don't get me wrong, and, and John Moran was you know good against Alabama. He was good against Auburn. We still haven't seen he's, that he's next level. He's pretty much matched there. every challenge that's come across him. And I, you know the big thing against him is still is his, is his turnovers, but. You can't argue, like, when you watch him play, he gets the job done every which way. Like, there's, his offensive skill set is just elite at, mm-hmm. at this level. It's just a question of when he hits that next level, can he keep the ball under control? Can he keep a clear head? And make sure he just keeps those turnovers down to a minimum. The the question, though, uh, that you haven't answered is, uh, who would you be more excited for, Derrick Rose I, or John Morant in a Bulls uniform? You seem to have found my uh, me hiding away from that question. Uh, I was hoping to move past that. Um... I'm going to say John Morant. I'm going to say John Morant because John Morant can do things Derrick Rose couldn't. Like, and it goes both ways. Like, nobody can float in the air the way D Rose does going to the hoop. But John Morant as a facilitator is on the next level, and I think that's the big thing. I'm looking forward to having someone who can come in and truly run an offense at a high level. So I'm going John Morant. All right. Um, again, I'm shocked that you guys, both Chicago kids, I are love taking, Derrick Rose, but we've already had Derrick Rose. John so. Morant. Um, so. Obviously, he can run an offense. Obviously, he has a better shot than uh, a D Rose does. Um, but we're saying he can't be an MVP. So, wh- what's his what's his ceiling then, John? I, in your I mind? said he could, but okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, 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 John, you, you said he, he couldn't. So, what do you what do you think is is John Morant's ceiling, and then we'll we'll, we'll end it there. Uh, ceiling as far as like a player or uh, points or what MVP or championship. Well, I mean, what do you think is his top is? Like, do you think it's going to be like you know all star player? Do you think it's going to be like second team All NBA, first team All NBA, fringe MVP? Uh, you know, I, let's take uh, championships out of it because I don't think that really defines the the ceiling of a player. Um, obviously, you know, it takes you know LeBron James and you know you know LeBron versus MJ. That's obviously going to decide it. But at least when we're talking about like. Um, just individual performance, like, you know, can he lead a team uh, so much to where he's going to be in MVP conversations, or is he going to just be, you know, a, a great player in the league? Like a top 20 league? player. Yeah, is, or is he just going to be like a top 20 player? Uh, or is he going to be overlooked, like maybe like a Damian Lillard? <laughs> I think in five years he'll be a perennial all-NBA player. Damn. I think that he'll always be in the MVP, com- MVP conversation. Um, and... Championship depends on the front office and, and the luck that teams have in the draft. I don't, I don't think individual players have that much um, influence whether they win a championship in their career or not. Mm, I 100% agree with that yeah. because Ricky's always said, um, is it with Russell Westbrook that Russell Westbrook's never going to win an NBA title? Yeah, he's never going to win one. Yeah, which is just like, it's nonsense well, in my mind. Russell Westbrook is his own worst enemy. <laughs> he's, not, he's not an efficient player. No, he's he, definitely he, not. He, he's, his hype is greater than his talent level because he has his own, he has he has his own faults. So, and I mean, well, John Morant's always the John Morant and Russell Westbrook's always a popular comparison. Do you find that to be a, an apt comparison to, between those two? Yeah, absolutely. Athletically, well, I think that John Morant he has a better outside shot. He so his John Morant has the potential to be better than Westbrook. Potentially, and, be better than. Derek Rose in his prime. And that's because you don't think he has those self-destructive tendencies that Russ does? I don't think anyone except for John Wall has self-destructive <laughs> tendencies like, like Westbrook. Maybe Draymond Green. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, no I, I think he can be better than those two players uh, just because he can he is his outside shot. He, he's not knocking down at a high level, 
but I think he has the potential to be an over 40% shooter. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? And there's also like, you know, what type of three-point shot are you taking? Is the open look? Is it coming around a screen? Is it, you know, off ball with a step back? You know, but I, I think that he has the talent level to create his own three-point shot and make it fast for us. Fast break is one of the probably will be one of the best in the NBA. Just all around player, great facilitator. You know, hopefully he can get into those passing lanes and be like an AI defender and, uh, you know, beef up a little bit and be a little bit of an on ball defender. I think, you know, it'd be exciting to see. Yeah, I think when you guys are done, I have another question for you, Chesty, on how much you love John Morant. All right, we'll do. We'll, we'll end the we'll end the segment on that. Uh, Dave, final question for me is going to be uh, ceiling at John Morant. What do you think of this? Uh, <clears throat> I'd probably say a top ten player in the NBA. Like it, it's just he has such a versatile offensive kit. Like I was saying earlier, there's there's not much that he can't grow into, and I think that he like literally there's just not a bunch that he can't do. So when it comes to team fit, will will make the biggest difference in his career as long as he lands on a team that can utilize him. I think he literally sky's limit. Ricky, I, I actually mm-hmm. like this is gonna be my final question, and then we're gonna bring it back around. Who would you rather have, uh, Trey Young or John Morant? Because of, uh, watching him, they're both very skilled passers. I think Trey Morant. Uh, uh, Trey has Trey Morant. Trey Morant. Uh, I'll Trey take has, Trey Morant. Trey has or uh, Jai Young. Trey's a better passer. Um, I think mm-hmm. that Jaw's obviously better going to the rim. Uh, Trey's a better shooter, but you know we look at the the numbers for John Morant. He possibly could develop into a good shooter. Uh, maybe not to the the levels of. Uh, of Trey Young, but also I think John Morant's going to be a better defender. So who would you rather have? Because I know you're a big Trey Young fan. You know what? I love Ja, but I can't I can't stray away from my boy. I think I would go Trey Young just because of my love for Steph Curry and what the comparison for Trey Young to Steph Curry will never leave my mind. Dave, Trey Young, John Morant. It's, it's so damn close. <laughs> I Luca or John Morant? Yeah, Luca wins that one. Like, that's, not, that's not even fair, but... I, I would probably lean, probably would lean Trey Young because of the modern NBA. Okay. Like, I, I think it's still very close, but it's just three, the three point shot so valuable. And he's shown this year that he can just kill it. I'm going to take Ja just for the fact that, you know, he might not be as good of a three point shooter, but he can be a, a good three point shooter. So I'll take that because I'll get the defense and then I'll get the ability to drive. Um, worst passer, worst three point shooter, but I think he'll still be effective in both those ranges where uh, I don't think Trey Young's ever going to be a, a good defender. Um, John, uh, final question to you is going to be Trey Young, John Morant, and then obviously uh, throw out the question that you have for us. Well, I, I, the analogy for me is Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Even though Russell Westbrook averaged triple doubles, I think Steph Curry is a better player. I think he spreads the floor as something you guys can't look up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no stat for that. And therefore, you know, I think Trey Young will be a better player than John Morant. All right. And then uh, what's the question you had for us that you think is going to be uh, – that you thought was a good question? Yeah, you have to stick to the uh, premise. Okay. If you had, say, uh, with the first pick, San Antonio had the first pick, and you had LaMarcus Aldridge, and you could – LaMarcus Aldridge had a no-trade clause, who would you pick, Zion or John Moran? Okay, and, and DeRozan's still on the team? Um. Uh, Mm, we'll just say a blank team. Okay, so no. so, so just so DeRozan, DeRozan's not there. Okay, um, I would just pick Zion just for the fact that I think that I think the talent level's there, um, and I think that he has you know more star potential than John Morant. Um, and although you know the pairing might not work just because both guys like to work inside a, a ton, um, 
I would still go with the fact that Zion is just more of an unstoppable force than John Morant. And again, we're, we're, when, you, when you're talking about talent, and especially the top three, I, I love what you said. Um, it doesn't matter about the fit. I don't think it matters about the fit there. I'll still take Zion. Any team number one take Zion and make it fit. Dave? Yeah, I. sorry. LaMarcus Aldridge is great <laughs> and all, but you're going to have some company down that low post. Yeah, even if you got to play LaMarcus at the five and Zion at the four, I'm fine with it. Playing Zion at the three, <laughs> I, I still don't care. Just give Zion the ball. Um, do, you, do, you, do you disagree with us? Do you, would you take Ja? I, I think it's a toss-up. Okay. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't jump at Zion. I'd, I'd go Todd Ja, ja Morant, he, he just does a lot of things differently than Zion and Marcus. There's a lot of overlaps in Zion and Marcus. Yeah. yeah. It would be exciting to have Zion. Great, but you want to win the championship. You know, it is a business, but nobody gets paid more unless you win the championship. True. For sure. And I think I think just going back to what you said and my, my decision making, you said you're not going to pass up a guy with, with a 40 inch vertical. I don't think you're going to pass up a six, seven guy with a 44 inch vertical. Um, so, <laughs> so I'll go with that. Uh, but, John, we appreciate you joining us for uh, for John Morant talk and we hope to uh, talk to you next month. All right. Great fun. Thanks, guys. But let's move into the last topic, and it's the main event. We are doing the NBA Draft Mailbag, uh, coming from the comments you have left on the NBA Mock Draft 4.0 we did last week, uh, from the 1 through 10 segment, from the tw- uh, 11 through 20 segment, through the 21 through 30, and even the full podcast. So we are super excited uh, to go through all of your questions. Uh, we're going to start off with not really a question, uh, but this one's coming from Jamal Cofield, who was not a fan of our uh, 3.0 as well, because uh, we disrespected the Magic. He's the Magic fan that was all pissed mm-hmm. off and talk about him. Well, I mean, uh, if you're a fan of a team, like... No, we got it. We tried yeah. to make credit by it. Uh, and he said, I'm probably going to stop watching your guys' mock draft unless all teams are discussed for a few minutes. Uh, these are turning into favorites out of the bunch of discussions. Uh, we responded on the actual uh, comment as mm-hmm. well, but we'll do it here as well. Um, it's I think it's something that's very fair, and it's something that we all talked about. And, and something that we're going to try to do now is when we're doing the, uh, you know, teams where Ricky's like, I, at number one, I have the Suns taking Zion, and two, I have the, the Knicks taking John Morant. Uh, we'll, we'll, one through ten will stay the same where we will still go through every single team, uh, but like 11 through 20 when Ricky's like, oh, the Lakers taking Kelvin Johnson, I really think he's going to be a good fit for their you know three-point shooting uh, team and, and bolster mm-hmm. their ability to hit three-point sh- uh, shots on the outside. Uh, we'll do that more. So we'll go through, and when we say you know team, player, We'll give a reasoning for each player why we're giving it. Just brief, um, just so if we do not hit that player uh, or that team, we at least give you uh, a little bit of background on why that's happening. Because I know some people are going to see, want to see their team. Um, they don't want to see the pick. They want to see the reasoning. So we'll at least try to make that hey, adjustment. Unless you guys, like, we got another comment from uh, Bryant who was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is really three and a half hours. If you guys want a five-hour podcast, I'll give it to you. No. Every single pick, I'll give it to you. Ricky can I'll do his own five-hour pe- podcast. I will give you what the people want. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm going to give you people. what you want. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Uh, I don't want to be here for nine, nine hours of my day. Because uh, that's what it would be. That three and a half hour podcast, we were here for seven hours. Uh, that's true. I don't want to be here for nine hours. Oh, do, like you didn't have fun doing it. I had a blast doing it. It was no, pretty I was, fun. I was ready to be done at some <laughs> you were, point. You were dead, but yeah, I, I was, was ready dead, to be, to be fair. Uh, yeah, you were sick. Uh, but our point is, is that <laughs> That's we, a we dedication from Dave. We don't go through every single pick uh, in the 11 through 20 and 21 through 30. It's because every single one will be... Ricky, shut up. Uh, we'll be you doing, got it stuck in my head. You got it stuck in your own damn head. No, uh, started singing it. Well, the, we're going to be... If we do that, we'll, every segment would be an hour and a half. So then that would lead to... 
uh, you know, four and a half hours of podcasting, Easy. and then we'd have to do Wet Boys and all that stuff too. I so hit five. Um, yeah. With with that, uh, we will at least try to make some adjustments. So at least we do mention every team uh, at the start, and then we'll get into deeper discussions uh, after we do the picks. And you know, if we don't get into the deeper discussions with mm-hmm. the teams, hopefully we covered it enough for uh, your 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 team uh, for the mock draft. But you know, when you do comment, make sure you you know throw out. Give us ideas, because 11 yeah. through 20, we're always looking for ideas, we're always looking for players, and we're always going to be going to the players we want to talk about. We want to talk about things that we want to talk about, or things that you guys want to talk about. So give us ideas and give us players to talk about. Uh, but let's jump into the questions. Uh, first one's coming from Original One. Darius Garland was a traditional point guard in high school. I think he is just showing that he can shoot in college to get drafted. If Morant and Barrett are off the board, Bulls should go with Kobe White, Hachimura, Brandon Clark, uh, I'm guessing he's listing uh, these mm-hmm. guys in orders. Yeah. And isn't Daniel Gafford a better center than Hayes? So, Ricky, you picked this question, and you want it for yourself. So talk about it, I guess. I mean, I picked it because I completely agree, I, I completely agree with the fact that I have not been as high on Darius Garland as both you two have, where to me it's the compound of him, A, being injured, and two, because of not seeing a big sample size, I don't know exactly what I'm getting. I don't want to buy the buy the used car and then like, oh, it's got a ton of problems with it. Or like, oh, I thought that he was going to be able to do this and he can't do this. Well, um, so like I look at his list and I go, Rui I really like, but I don't know if I'm the Bulls if I take him that high. The Colby White one was the reason why I wanted to pick this comment because I could see, based off of what I've seen, especially from Colby White, and then even with the small sample size of that one game in the tournament – he is most likely going to be a top 10 pick for me mm. in our next mock. And if he has a good combine, he could be a guy where people go, hmm, maybe the point guards are John Morant and then Colby White instead of John Morant, Darius Garland. I will say, at least to the point of Darius Garland, uh, it was more of a traditional point guard in, uh, in what's it called, uh, in high school. Mm-hmm. I, I think that... I am going to disagree there just because when you were watching, when you watch the, the film that is out there on him, uh, a lot of it is just his scoring ability. And yes, he probably You're passed about more. Darius Garland. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. and, and with with Garland, yeah, I mean, he's not going to average two assists in, in college. It's not going to be like, or in the NBA. It's not going to be like Count Sexton. He's much more of a willing passer. And that was something that we tried to bring up. But he's not going to be like John Morant, where, you know, his main, one of his main uh, goals on offense is to move the ball around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Darius Garland is going to be a guy that shoots a ton. In the NBA, he's going to try to score every single possession. And if he doesn't, he'll pass the ball up. Um, but if he feels like he can take his man one on one, he will do so. I don't think that is just a, a college thing just to get drafted. I think that's in his DNA. I think he's a guy that wants to score on every single time he, yeah. he touches the ball. So I think that's the worry that I have. I'm not saying that he's not going to, you know, he's not going to be like Kobe and never pass mm-hmm. the ball. Um, I'm not saying that. I think that he is a, a decent passer as well. Um, I think he's more capable of a passer than Colin Sexton. I just don't think he's going to be a guy that um, his first thought on every offensive possession is going to be he, passing. He wants to score. Mm-hmm. If, if he feels he's going to take the guy yep. one-on-one, he's going to try to score. And that's the thing with Darius Garland, and that's not a problem with him. No. I just don't think that's going to work with the Bulls because I think the whole point of the Bulls is they have so much talent in that starting five. Carter, Markinen, Porter, Levine, mm-hmm. yeah. that team is so talented, and they need someone who can move the ball to them. And if Morant is not there... That's why I was saying let's go Culver and that that I that, that mindset because mm-hmm. he can pass the ball, he can be a secondary ball handler, and while he isn't a uh, primary ball handler who can move the ball, he is more willing to at least try to create for others. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. he's you know as good as a ball handler as 
Darius Garland. Clearly, Garland has yeah. probably the best handles in this in this draft. Yep. Um, but I, I do think that he is a guy that might just work within the offense rather than be the offense that that Garland. Uh, I feel like try is tries to do well, uh, was, was trying to do it. And that's like in our mock. That's why I had like a Cam Reddish even to the Bulls instead of um, Kobe White or Darius Garland. But out of his list, the one I would look at is my boy Rui. Um, because he could be a guy where yeah. I'm just saying if you look at the three, Colby White, Hachimura, and Brandon Clark, I would look at Rui because I don't want a point guard that is like we talked about with Ja. Ja's not going to clash with Zach Levine. Colby White and Darius Garland might Kobe. clash. Kobe White. Um, Noel. Colby Jack cla- hmm. I do this. I, I, add, I add letters. You don't know how to things. say names. No, I just add letters in the things. Because you don't know how to say it. names. No, it's a Bern- brain Bruno thing. Fernandez. Yeah, I know. I just, I, Gorga. It just Gorga. comes out like it Colby Jack. says in here. But uh, I would maybe think about Rui if I'm thinking these three guys because I wouldn't want a point guard that clashes with Levine like, If cuisine. Morant and Barrett are off the board, you're going Culver, you're going Garland, or you're going Reddish. Those yeah. are the I would guys. think Reddish. I think or if, they, if they lose out on the lottery and it goes bad for them, I think if they end up at like seven, eight, or six. No, I'm just saying it, it's seven, seven, eight. I would actually look at Kobe White. I think that could be an interesting one. I think he's going to be rising mm-hmm. a lot of people's boards. Uh, national spotlight now is even intensified for being in the tournament. Uh, he's he's just an excellent two way player. Great size. I think that he could shoot up into that top ten range. Do you think he and he's a fi- he's Zach? a finalist for uh, college freshman of the year? I wonder who. I wonder if he's going to win. He might have some tough competition for that one. You think so? Do yeah. you think he'll cla- he could clash with Zach though? I think he could play alongside Zach. I don't. Okay. I don't think he necessarily. He doesn't have the same score. Like Zach has that scores mentality where it's like balls in hands. He mm-hmm. can't pass, but he wants to score himself. Yeah. I think Kobe White plays unselfishly. He plays in a great system, so he he would be able to come in and be able to contribute. I think for I that think, Bulls team, if we lose out and we get bumped back beyond the mm-hmm. range of a Garland, Kobe does have that mindset of uh, I think as well as he's he's going to try to score every opportunity he does get. But I think the big thing that I do like to see a Kobe White's game is in transition. He's a great passer. Yeah, um, he really is a very unselfish passer in transition. And with Zach Levine, with Otto Porter, with uh, uh, Markkinen, uh Carter too, both you know all capable runners. Um, for their positions, I, I think that he's a guy that can give the ball up, move the ball around in transition. Half court might be a little bit too. Uh, I think that where it might get tricky. But then you also have two bigs who possibly can't stretch the court. And I know that uh, Carter hasn't been able to do so in the NBA, but uh, Markin clearly has been. So I think that Kobe White would be a good pick. If you they, mentioned they, pass they in transition, and I just think to John Morant's tomahawk pass at the end of the game, where mm-hmm. it's just like oh, mm-hmm. just whips it down there. Pinpoint accuracy. I just I love is John ja Morant good. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I just love talking about John. Ja. And and the question too of isn't Daniel Gafford a better center than Hayes? Yes, in ways uh, both similar size. I think they're both six eleven. Um, the thing with Gafford though that immediately takes him back is the age. Jackson Hayes is younger, and Jackson Hayes is more raw. So if you are a lottery team, and let's say you're the Pelicans, or let's say mm-hmm. you're the Grizzlies, um, not the Grizzlies need a, a center. Um, but let's say if you're you're one of those teams, you're going to take the guy that's more raw and has more potential. Gafford, we're kind of seeing his peak already. I don't think Gafford's going to change into a different player. But Hayes can become bigger. He can become stronger. He can become a better rebounder. And one thing that I do think that Hayes does better uh, than Gafford already, even being uh, younger, mm-hmm. um, is, is is block the ball. Um, he, he's, a, he's a really good defender. He has a really good knack uh, for, for stuffing shots. Uh, he has a 10.7 block percentage right now uh, in college. I'm pretty sure his season's over. Uh, 
and and, and with Gafford. Uh, Gafford started at 11.5 last year, uh, but then fell down to 8.2. And that's this year being a sophomore. Uh, you'd like to see that be higher for a mm-hmm. player being a sophomore, uh, blocking more shots. And, you know, his usage went up as well, but then also his turnover percentage, uh, Gafford's, uh, rose as well. So everything rose for Gafford, which isn't always a positive um, because, you know, you're supposed to see a jump when guys go from freshman to sophomore. They're going to be more physically dominant mm-hmm. than the guys coming in. Um, and you look at what Hayes has done. Hayes has a very good body. Mm-hmm. He's younger. He has very similar intensity when playing. Um, and I think that Hayes... If he gets the right coach, he will be able to develop into a better basketball player than Gafford. I don't mm-hmm. think Gafford has a star written on him. I think Hayes might not be a star, but he will be younger, and that's automatically going to put him above Gafford in most pick boards. I just think it comes down to what type of an NBA we're in right now. Because when you look at the two, who's got the better true shooting percentage? Who's got the better um, field goal percentage? Who's got the better free throw percentage? And I'm looking right here. Of course, these are per 36 and it's Hayes down the board where Gafford isn't bad, but Gafford to me feels like more of a traditional more set center where Hayes, I think the teams look at it and go, hey, he can fit this new NBA of shooting from the outside, although it's not great 72. If you can do that better than 66 well, in Gafford's case, teams might lean towards I think Gafford that. got Do, Ivan Robbed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think defensively, too, a big thing that, that's different than him. I don't think Ivan Robb, because Ivan Robb was bad in a sophomore mm-hmm. year. Gafford wasn't bad. Gafford still, I think, is he, a first-round he, he was a pick. late lottery, or not late lottery, he was a mid-round first pick last year. Mm-hmm. He was going to likely go in the second round this year. Gafford, I think, still has a chance to make the, the, the back half, the 23-30 mm-hmm. section, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him fall to... The second round. I think the other thing, too, that uh, Hayes does have is not only uh, blocking shots, but also uh, switching uh, over uh, Gafford. And yeah, when we're talking got, modern NBA, too. Uh, he's, he's, he's a better switcher. And, and Gafford does get a little bit slower when he has to go up against guards. Um, he is pretty, he's, I mean, he's a good body for yeah. guarding bigs, but I think Hayes has more uh, versatility uh, when it comes to uh, at least uh, you know on the defense side, de- defensive side of the floor. Um, so I know people are looking at the stats of Jackson mm-hmm. Hayes. Look at the, the college he's coming from, too. Jared Allen, Mo Bamba, uh, Jackson Hayes. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you're coming from a good crop of centers. Yep. Texas knows how to develop them. And I think Gafford is being slept on. Uh, but I also don't think Hayes is. Hey, you can't look directly at his stats and just be like, well, he's not grabbing. He can't average a double like, Yeah, he's, he's got 10 mm-hmm. uh, points and five boards. Well, I mean, you extrapolate that to per 40. Um, and he is averaging like 17 and 8 or something like that mm-hmm. um, with like three blocks. So, like, he, he is a guy that's making an impact. Um, he's just very young, so you're really I, going just off of the potential. Of the Jackson thing Hayes. I will throw out there too is because Gafford's only a sophomore and a year, a grade level older um, than mm-hmm. what Hayes is. Looking back to back, a little bit different than Rob, where he had a greater increase in points, going from 11 to 16, had more rebounds by two, but the shooting also went up. He was 60 percent last year. Now with the more minutes, he's at 66 percent you'd like to maybe see that grow and maybe think that, oh, he goes from 52 to 59 in free throw. Is that progression still going to happen next year when he You're comes into the league? Gafford. Gafford, okay. Yeah. Like, um, he, everything's getting better. Is that going to continue, or is this worth plateauing? Yeah, and one, one thing, too, just bring up the Rob Rob thing. Like, you know, he he grew, uh, he averaged a point and a half point more mm-hmm. points per game because he had a higher uh, usage rate. Uh, but, I mean, his 
averages went to shit. He went he, he was shot shooting more 61. And, he, well, no, he was shooting 61.5% from the field and then went down to 48.4. Um, and he barely, mm-hmm. you know, he took, instead of taking two threes, he took 20. I'm talking about Ivan Robb. Yeah. Uh, so like, I I'm don't just think saying it's really he was a big who went back to college. And yeah, I think, well, that's, the thing is, I think Gafford's getting slept Shouldn't have gone back. It's I, that easy. You, you, you were a first rounder last year. You should have gone back. Gafford's still a first rounder. Easy. Yes. Yeah. Gafford should still be a first rounder. If you don't have a first round, you're sleeping on him. I don't think you had him at thirty. Okay. Slow your fucking roll. I still think he's a first rounder. Is he, is he not a first rounder? Is thirty not in the first round? I don't know if he's gonna be a first rounder. What, what's, That's what I'm what's, saying. What's his? I think he's down twenty five through thirty five. What's her neg- What's his negatives? I think the fact that he right now, good athleticism, but he's not quick enough on his feet. His outside shot's not consistent. His inside shot isn't as uh, efficient as it could be. So when you have someone who's not quite great at stretching the floor, but also not incredibly efficient finishing at the rim, you're in no man's land. Like in the NBA, you want to be amazing from the inside, mm-hmm. or you want to be amazing, or you want to be passable from the outside, a la like Brook Lopez, but like not as efficient as he is now because he's just incredible. But like you have that ability. Being having a great, you know, okay mid range as a center doesn't do anything for me. It's it's not attractive. It's not qualities I'm looking for when I'm looking to draft. Jackson Hayes is incredibly efficient from the inside. Give me the money in the paint. That's what I want. Someone who can hit his free throw. Someone who can be efficient within two feet of the basket. Because that's all that really matters as a center in the NBA for me. Well, the one thing I will bring up is I don't know where you're getting the fact that he's not efficient at the rim. Uh, Daniel Gafford, he's shooting 80% from the rim. Uh, around the rim. So mm-hmm. Gafford is extremely efficient around the rim. I mean, he's on 195 shots, he's making 156. Um, so Gafford can finish at the rim. I agree that the free throw percentage definitely is is not there, um, and and the mid range is not there. It, mm-hmm. it completely falls off from 80 uh, percent, you know, down to like you know 40 percent for everything else. Um, and Hayes is a better finisher at the rim. He's shooting 84.75 percent from the rim, uh, but even short mid range, 41.1 percent. Uh, uh, long mid range, he's only taking five. He's shot in 20 percent. But like even short mid range, he's got a decent game. So mm-hmm. I, I think Hayes, Out again, being him. younger, can develop it. Yeah. Well, but I'm just saying, like, I, he's I think, already better than him, and I, he's younger than him. I think Gafford. I'm dead. But where Gafford, am I Gafford can grab boards better than than Hayes. He, right. he is a better rebounder. Yeah. Um, but he's a worse blocker. I think that Gafford can put himself in better positioning. Uh, I think his positioning uh, is great. Hayes has a long way to go from a basketball IQ standpoint, but you can teach him. Like he he is the like I'm ready to be molded as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. That's what you get. Well, I, I'm not like, I'm not arguing to Mo Bamba raw. I, like, I still have Hayes. Mo over, Bamba is much more polished than Jackson Hayes was. I still has Hayes over Gafford. This is just the fact that yeah. I'm trying to argue for Gafford for first round. I still think he is. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying. Uh, and I think he's even at 30, he's still being underrated for me. Um, but I, I just don't see a need for a center right now in the top yeah. 20. That's the thing is like we're looking at these centers. Brandon Clark is up there because he's he's a more of a four, but he can block shots like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy athleticism, great IQ, great positioning. Um, looking at uh, Goga, Goga has one of the, some of the best feet we've seen. Um, yeah. He has great positioning, both offensively and defensively. Um, so he's above Gafford. Um, Hayes is above Gafford because of potential. They're pretty much the same player. Go with the younger player who you know is already finishing at the rim. You can add muscle to him. If he's adding muscle, what the hell can this kid be? I yeah. think he can be similar to Jared Allen. Jared Allen is worth it. And also with the Hawks, too, like, should Jackson Hayes be going six? Probably not. He's probably more in the 10 range where you guys had him. Mm-hmm. But it's more of the Hawks need to center, and they have two picks. You can take him there. Totally. You're, you're trying to fill out the need when it comes to the, it comes to that spot. Um, so I, I think Hayes and Gafford, the big thing that separates them is is, is the youth and the potential. Yeah, it's about a year um, and a half younger. And also the quickness. Yep. Um, let's move now to the second question. Hunter Ottensmeyer? Ottensmeyer? Hunter Ostenmeyer? Uh, Ottensmeyer. Ottensmeyer. 
Hunter that. Ottensmeyer. That's the first time I've seen that last name. I think if Cam Reddish is there for the Hawks, they should take him. His offensive potential is so high, but it's, cons- it's consistency with him. Sometimes he looks like the most talented player in the draft, and other times he's not on the floor. But if he pans out, him and Trey can be so badass together. This is going to Dave to start. I, I I think that he does have some offensive potential. I don't think I've ever seen him look like the most talented player in the draft. Yeah, though. I don't agree with that. That one. that I have to disagree with you on. But there's a lot of people that are saying sleeper potential with Ken Reddish. There's also a dude named Zion Williamson. No, I know. I know. So, I'm so just saying for the best player in the draft. Just Zion because... has looked like the best player in the draft, and it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Stop! Stop trying to be like a hot take and be like, well, "Oh, I'm this just... John Morant kid, he's going to transfer better to the NBA than Zion Williamson." Zion Williamson's a fucking freak. Just accept it. Yep. It's a, that that's pretty well. But Cam Reddish, sleeper. Uh, look, just because you're bad at college basketball, but you were ranked really high in high school, doesn't mean you're just going to be better in the NBA. Period. Like that 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 doesn't. It's not a straight equation. It, there's a lot of things that go into it, and I think that what we've seen out of him this year is that, in given a smaller role, he's not been able to fit very well with his team. The opportunities he's been given and the role he's been given don't me- don't necessarily mesh fantastic with his skills. But he's played it, and you can't really argue the fact that he is an okay shooter from the outside. He's an okay slasher. Uh, he's decent athletically. Like there's nothing like there's nothing about that that that's bad. Mm-hmm. But the problem is he hasn't stood out at all. He's been he's had opportunities when uh, RJ had missed a game or Zion's extended leave on the team, and he has not been able to step up consistently. Like he is. A you know he's a B player like that's that's what it is. There's nothing about him a that's B screams. player or a B plus. I didn't want I didn't want to give him the plus. <laughs> I well, did. Here's the thing that I want to say is like what Hall of Famer was bad, uh, good in high school, bad in college, and then great in the NBA. I'm sure like, you could find some. But, but does, he, I, I doubt does it. he have to be a Hall of Famer? No, but I'm just saying like I'm just saying like the great of the greats. Like if you are great, <laughs> you are going to dominate in every single yep. level. So I'm just saying like immediately there he's not going to be great. He's not the best player in the draft. Yep. So. At some points, yes, he might have had some spots where it's like you're, it's really impressive, but he's not the best. He's never been seen as the best player in the draft. Right. Some people have seen him as a sleeper. That's fine. Um, but that's and, just and, covering up for the fact that he's terrible in college basketball. It's like Nasir yeah. Little. Oh, he's gonna be great in the NBA. Oh, it's the, says what? Oh, it's the system. It's Roy Williams' damn system. Uh, freshmen never play well. Kobe White's teammates playing phenomenally. I don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that Hunter does hit in the head is is the fact that the offense potential is so high and, and it's consistency with him. And that is um, he's not consistent. Potential. The, the, the word potential is the reason he's still in the top ten. And that's what I tried to nail home through that mock draft when I was yeah. ranting about Cam Reddish. He is horrible when it comes to. Also, no one has DM me about the the Venmo thing. Ah. Uh, so go go to the end of the podcast to see that. Nice. Um, but um, with last with, week's podcast, yeah, last week's podcast yeah. Um, with. The the thing is, is like the potential is so high. Yeah. So you cannot pass on him because mm-hmm. he can turn into somebody who is there. But it's ifs and it's what ifs. Right. And it's, you know, if if this happens, then this will happen. Like there is no clear cut way for him to become a star. It's all ifs. It's all being in the right position, the right time. It needs to be in the right system. There's no way he's just going to step in and dominate. And it might take a while for him to become and uh, great and hit his potential. So that's the thing with like. Do with you think Cam day Rush. one he's a starter on a team? Depends I think that that's. Team. I think it depends, and we're looking at lottery teams in the top well, let's ten. Let's say if he goes mm-hmm. to the Hawks. If he does go to the Hawks, I don't know that he's better than Touring Prince. But does he if have? They resign but him. does he have yeah. to be a starter right away? No, but Dave's just asking the question. Yeah. If he is, it's not, it doesn't have like, to do be. Do you take a top ten pick and know he's not going to start? Here's the thing: if he I goes, mean, to, like, if he goes to the Bulls, do. if he goes to the Bulls, no. Yeah, he's not starting over Otto Porter. No. He's not starting over Zach Levine, and, and unless but they move Zach to the one. But that might not be bad for him. No, no, I'm not saying it's going to be bad start. for him. Dave's just asking the question, yeah. is he going to be a starter? And I think that's 
a fair question. Because if you're taking a guy in top five, you're typically a bad you're, team. You're hoping that you know this guy can make an immediate impact to your team. And obviously, mm-hmm. Marvin Bagley, odd odd year this year, but he's performed extremely well as the year's gone on. It took yeah. I don't know whether it was it took him time or it took the and, coaching staff time, but he's been popping off as the year's gone on. Dominated college. Yep. Trey Young dominated college. Took him a while. Yeah. Like both those DeAndre guys. DeAndre dominated college. Took him a while to get going. So. Oh. He was good early. He just defensively like, has been awful. He's never been. <laughs> well, I mean, but there's even flashes like he's guarding LeBron. He's sure. like stepping LeBron. He said, he's guarding he a, Giannis. He's wasn't there like a six-assist game or something? Pretty. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just... Aiton's the weirdest player because yeah. he can be like one of the best defenders in the, in the game, and they could be like just a turnstile. And yeah. then he could be a guy who it's like ninety percent of his shots on twenty attempts, or they're just like you know they don't even give him the ball. Like, yeah. He's just it's it's weird. it's perplexing. Um, but going back to Cameron, the biggest thing that you say is uh, I think if. Cam Reddish is there. Um, sorry, no, I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's. But if he pans out, yeah. So if if, if there, so our last mock, we had him uh, five, five, at, and five. I think. Yeah. Or five, four, and five. Yeah, pretty much. Because Ricky had him going four to the Bulls. Uh, you and I had him going five to the Hawks. So I, I agree. Like I, I think the Hawks have two shots in the first. Why not take that? I mean, it's it, it's playing with house money. To my point, there's no one with higher potential. Well. There, there's a very few guys with his potential as high as his, and especially him being a wing and playing against the top-level competition, you know he can at least hold his own to some extent. So I think that's why, for me, it, it's a clear take, and the risk is worthy at five to do that. I don't know that I, I have him as high as you do necessarily, though. Yeah. Um, let's move now to three. Jackson Waddleton, great last names on this one. Uh, Kobe White impressed the hell out of me in the Duke games. He's extremely quick and smooth. Kind of gives me a De'Aaron Fox, Shea Gilgis, Alexander vibe. He could be a steal if someone picks him up early. Uh, I'm starting with this one. Um, I disagree with the Shea Gilgis thing. Uh, I understand the smoothness. Shea Gilgis does have a very smoothness, uh, smooth aspect to his game. Um, but a big thing with the reason why Shea is so smooth is because of his length. Yeah. Um, he's not really a sudden burst athlete like uh, uh, that first step John Darren Wall is. and De'Aaron. Yeah, yeah. Darren, Darren's one of the fastest players in the league. Um, I think Kobe's extremely fast. Um, his acceleration is incredible. Yeah. Um, he can go from slow start to you know, extre- you know top speed very quick. Um, so I, I think that if you're going to compare him to a point guard that came out recently, I think that De'Aaron's a pretty good comp. Um, he's not as big as De'Aaron, uh, which is going to be tough when he's driving. So I don't know if he's going to be able to have the body that holds up. Um, I think De'Aaron is a better defender than Kobe White, too. Um, but if we're looking at it you know, coming into the league, Kobe White is automatically a better shooter uh, than De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox has developed into a great shooter. He's, he's, he's yeah. at great percentages now. Um, so I, I think that the De'Aaron Fox thing is, is, is a very good comp. Um, if I hate comps, but it's a, it's a pretty good comp. Um, I think if... Saying he could be a steal though is is tricky because if he falls to like mm-hmm. fifteen, then yeah, he's a steal. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to be a steal because I think he's really he, he's coming on people's radars. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think the fact that you see the speed, you see the shot, there are ways for him to make it in the NBA, and I don't really see the downside of him. He's a better defender than Trey Young was. Um, he's a better offensive player than well, he's a better shooter uh, than De'Aaron was. I think that you know he has a very clear shot to the NBA. Um, he's kind of small, but we've seen time and time again that kind of small really doesn't matter in this NBA anymore because mm-hmm. it's not as physical. So He's 6'5", um, he's so he could build up the frame. Like, is that's he 6'5"? Yeah. He looks 6'2". Yeah. Like, well, he looks very you gotta, small. You know, it's the fro. Where does the fro end yeah. the measurement? So where's his skull at? Um, <laughs> as long as he doesn't Alfred Payton the hair, you will have a successful NBA career. Hey, Alfred Payton's still driving triple levels. Uh, yeah, we still he cut his boy. hair. Um, I, I think that Kobe's an interesting one. Well, I think he's still small. 
Yeah, I'm, he's 185. So yes, he is. Yeah, six five. He is. Th- that's he is the biggest rail. thing that I I, yeah. I worry about is just his actual size. Um, but again, like you know, we, we've seen that really doesn't matter in the NBA. So if he puts on a little bit of a little bit of muscle. I I agree. He he's going to be a pretty good NBA player. I don't like either the comps. I don't I don't like comping players a year or two into their career either. Like I think if you're looking for player comps, you should look at like guys who are like establish themselves and this is what they are in the NBA. Too. Yeah, but even then, it's like. The NBA has changed so much since like those guys are finally established. Like you can't, you can, you can barely even compare people to John Wall because the NBA has changed so much. Mm-hmm. So like that's the thing is like it's tough to do player comps and the player comps are never going to be accurate because they're not the same size, they're not right. the same people, they don't have the same verticals. I mean, they don't John have Wall was Aaron, uh, De'Aaron Fox, like that was the comp last year, so or two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. So. It's but not, even then, it's like it's totally they're still the different players. Like even look at them now. Like if you watch Jaron Fox and John Wall, they're not John the same Wall's player. John Wall's on the couch. So. Uh, well, but even then, <laughs> when they're playing, like John Wall's a little bit more. Uh, I honestly, I still think that comp's pretty good. I think that's one of the better ones they've had. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, uh, I, I think Kobe. Like, Kobe White's a really good player, though. I think he's going to be the and take play out the window just where he was drafted, the Shea Gilgis of this year. Shea was 11th overall. Kobe White could be somebody who, depending on how the draft plays out, and because we've got so many, like, Keldon Johnson, who's also a guard, DeAndre Hunter, who's a guard for, like, Kevin Porter Jr., all these guards in general, the that how many teams are going to go straight point guard? The Hornets, though, if they think they're going to lose Kemba See, Walker, could go with a Kobe if, White if, if they I was don't doing like a, a Garland or Garland's taken. If I was doing a big board, I put him above like Kelton Johnson. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's yeah. a very good player. It's just it's it's just fit it's actually, that usually comes with these mock drafts. It's actually a good point. Where um, did he end up on my last big board? Yeah. And and the thing Where's too is like I think the two thing too is like he if was see, sixteen for me. Yeah, he should be way higher than that. Well, that uh, was we did it like if what, Garland weeks ago. if Garland does not show up at the uh, combine and look well, uh, Kobe White will become the. The, the second best point guard in this, this I draft. I think that's, and he, he that's a fair a, statement. He'll be a, probably a top seven pick then. Because uh, I think if Memphis is looking for a point guard, they take him. Um, but it's all dependent on what these teams are looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think talent-wise, Kobe White's up there. Kobe yeah. White's 100% up there with Darius Garland. Um, I think that Darius Garland has that next level elite offense. But I think that, that Kobe White's and, more yeah. well-rounded than Darius Garland is. Yep. Um, I'm going to read the next one and then turn back on the camera. Uh, we're going to Ricky on this one. Truth Tella 2011. Shout out eight Ooh. years ago. Uh, I like Kevin Porter, <laughs> but Detroit already has five shooting guards, so where would he play? Also, you might as well have called the Celtics mock draft because you guys spent two-thirds of the seg- uh, segment talking about what they will do. Give it at least a little time to talk, to talk about the next picks this time. Uh, we addressed that a little bit earlier, so let's just talk about the Kevin Porter uh, to Detroit. Um, he immediately will become the best shooting guard on that team in my mind, well, so it doesn't matter. And that, to me, is the whole thing where when I was mocking with the Pistons, there was kind of... Two things I was thinking of. Number one, I'm like, they don't have a small forward on this team. Um, but at the same time, like, maybe one of those other guards could play at the three and you just have a smaller lineup out there. I was just looking at it based on my draft. Wasn't going to have him go Lewis King. Wasn't going to have him go Nasir Little, Grant Williams, well, Jonte Porter. Why the not next one. Lewis King or Nasir Little? Because I think I had, I had Nasir Little going mm-hmm. there. I think that I that's just, a great point for him because – it gives our a redemption arc for Stanley Johnson. Mm-hmm. I just for me, it's one where I see Nasir more as the more of a four and then a three. Really, and what? you've got Blake Griffin there. Like I, and Nasir's also like and also with Nasir six, Little, six, isn't he? if he's going to start at your two spot, do you want him stepping in our three spot? Do you want him stepping in? I'm no way. Not if I'm the Pistons. I'm not putting that much that much pressure. 
Anna Nasir Little, who I'm seeing struggle. Maybe he'll so thrive far as, as a starter. I, I'm not buying it. But with he's, me, I went he's with the give potential you that NBA level defender. He's going to be better in the NBA than he was in college. I like the offense I'm getting from Kevin Porter because what's one thing we talked about in the 76 or segment? Well, who are you going to play? It's the Blake. Three, then? It's Drummond. Sign somebody. Svi. You could sign someone like Put Svi. You need you need somebody who can become a consistent third scorer, and Kevin Porter has the potential to become a consistent third scorer. Not he's the, been anything but consistent not, though. That, that's his college career is not consistent. But it. But if working with a Dwayne Casey, like you can become consistent in the NBA, even if you weren't consistent in college. And the Pistons cannot deal with well. Sometimes See, it's Reggie Jackson. Sometimes well, it's Luke Kennard that goes off. I love Kennard. The one thing that I will say with at least Kevin Porter, at least not being consistent, is he dealt That's with suspension. He dealt with injuries. So I mean, there there are reasons why he hasn't. His been coach hates him. Yeah, I mean, well, there's reasons that he hasn't been consistent. Who do you like, like for him. who do you like for, for the Pistons? Side? You you had him taking uh, Nasir Little. Nasir, I wasn't like I, I know I played into like all the fucking memes that we just joked about for Nasir Little being a terrible college player, um, but you know he, he could come into the NBA and given a chance to play with the Pistons team, you're basically just being asked to play defense next to Blake Griffin. So I think he can come in and do that. Like he's got a decent size. I know he's yeah, but pretty, you're, you're pretty gonna kill the spacing on the team. Because I don't think Nasir Little is going to be a good three-point shooter in, in no. the league. I don't think Andre Drum is a good three-point shooter, clearly. Um, Reggie Jackson, if he is their starting point guard. And he takes he, threes. He's an, he takes them. He's not a great three-point shooter, though. Um, I, I think that you look at Kevin Porter, and I think that the potential there is much higher than Nasir Little. Nasir Little can be a great defender. Great. But I think but Nasir the, Little, you know, you start off with that defense as a platform. And you grow the shot over time, and you pray to God he's Kawhi, you know? You pray to God he's Kawhi and not Stanley no. Johnson, who well, you that's, drafted. That's what I think so, is funny. That's why I made the joke about yeah, it. Yeah, I just, I think, I like Kevin Porter, and I think he's more dangerous. I think he's more dangerous of a player. And yeah. if we're looking at, if we're looking at who has a better game already, uh, Kevin Porter's offensive game or Nasir Little's defensive game, I'll take Kevin Porter. I think Kevin Porter has those handles. I think he has great athleticism. And yes, while he's only, you know, averaging 9.5 points at USC right now, um, we look at when he was playing consistently and he wasn't, you know, suspended or anything like that. Um, the first five games, he was averaging 14 points uh, in those games. And then when he's playing, I think like over, I think it's like 25 minutes, he's averaging like 13 plus points. Um, like, yeah, that's the thing is uh, 25 uh, or more minutes, uh, 5, 11, 9, 10, 15, 17. By the way, um, Reggie's shooting 37% on five attempts a game from three. So he's, he's a bit above league average. Congrats, Reggie. Bit above league average. I don't care. Uh, um, it's, it's all. Also, I have Kevin Porter going way before you guys do. So I don't know that yeah. he'll even be there. So if the he Pistons. is there, though, would you take mm-hmm. him Little or Kevin Porter? I, I, w- I would take Kevin Porter every chance I get because he would be better as a player. But, like, I think for. You know, for you guys who have him both on the board, mm-hmm. I think I would look at Nasir Little as a serious fit for that team. But it's mm-hmm. your call. All right. Your uh, also, I apologize to Rezzy Jackson. Finally. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I was and just if you clip my, it from post-injury, th- he's even better. Yeah, I had my 30.8% uh, from <clears throat> last year uh, stuck in my mind. Uh fair. Whatever. It's fair. Uh, let's go to the fifth question. Uh, DeAndre Johnson. I threw up in my mouth a little when Sean <laughs> said Jackson Sean. Hayes is better than Ball Ball Lal. I'm sick of it. You know what? There Guess... are so many ball ball yeah, comments. Yeah. Dude, I love it. I, I love it. You know what? I get it. He's seven two with a with a football. <laughs> could be even bigger. He's a football field length wingspan. Like congratulations, the dude is going to break down. You are not going to see ball ball in the league in five years. It's I will unfortunate. Take a bet. Okay, I'll bet my goddamn house. I've done my car. <laughs> I've done my face. I've done, done. a Knicks jersey. I don't care. This kid is not going to be healthy. If he plays over 70 games, 
I will drop dead. Like that is, I'll bet my life on that. This guy is not going to be healthy. What? Can we get something like doable on the podcast? We got monetized, Mm -hmm. Sean. You can't drop dead for us. We can't post that. Like there's another one from uh, Dylan Dotter (laughs) that I didn't even include that was just curious on why Sean has ball 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 at 15 to the heat when um, they drafted Bam in 2017 and Whiteside. Um, is okay. most likely going to opt out of his option. So like, there was, there are so many like people love ball ball. Opt into his option. Yeah, opt into his. You option. said opt out. I well, mean, here's the thing: is ball ball's gonna is ball ball's gonna head, head into the league injured? He's going to probably play 22 minutes at the start of his career. So here's the thing: is that Bam is a five and Bam is a rim runner. Mm-hmm. So ball ball's most likely gonna play the four. Yep. So there you go. Those two yeah, can I play next to each other. They're people, fine. People are assuming he's going to be a five, and I'm like, he, he no. looks like a great he's spacing four. He's weak as shit. Yeah. Like, he is, he's not going to be able to play. If you put Joel Embiid up against Bobo, Bobo would disintegrate. Disintegrate. Here, here's another one. LeJohn says, who in their right mind would pick Jackson Hayes over Ball? I would. People forget he was a top three pick before he got hurt. He have the he most was. upside in the draft he outside was. of Zion. And I, shake I literally, I've, I've said this that he is extremely, he has a high potential. But the, also, the thing you have to look at when you're looking at potential is what is his floor? And his floor is, and Out I've said league. this, I said this before he got injured, yep. is that he is going to get hurt. He is frail. He is brittle. He is an old, old man. He is, he is weak. He's weak, very, very some weak. Could, and when you're going up in the low post against Nikola Jokic, when you're going up against the low post against Zion Williamson, when you're going up against the low post against... Jokic in this argument? Like, <laughs> well, he's he he's a big, intimidating guy Jokic in the low post. Jokic bangs bodies in the low post. What are you talking about? Big honey. I mean, come on. Big honey. Jokic bangs people down there. Jokic hits him hard on the low post. What are you talking about? Joel Embiid. If you're going up against, they're not even in the same class. Jokic like, is Embiid, great on the post. What are you talking about? Embiid is so he plays so much more physical in the post. Jokic still hit like Jokic is still I, physical. I, that's okay. Let's say I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're going up against Rolo in the post, he'll still beat up Bobo. Yeah. Bobo is weak. Bobo is going is, is literally a stick out there. Yeah. And if you're gonna then put him on the perimeter, he's fine guarding you know fours out on the perimeter. Yeah. That's why he's gonna be playing the four. But even then, if you get a more physical four, they're going to put their body into him and they're gonna probably knock him over. Yep. Um. And he'll feet, his feet will be moving, so it won't be a foul, and they'll dunk it on top of him. Like he's going to get pushed around in the league, and that's going to. Then lead to injuries. So he might be a lead on the offensive floor, but on the defensive floor, he's going to literally put his career in danger. He's probably better off just letting the team play five on four on defense and then stand at half court. Wow. Like I wow. I do not think that he's going to last in the Inferno NBA. Inferno takes from Sean. I don't think he's going to last in the NBA because of his body. And if anyone could prove me wrong that a, a guy who has you know toothpicks as sticks for legs. Then time travelers, we need to hear from you. Yeah. Let me go. That's the only way. Let, let me know if, if there's a guy in the league right now that has toothpicks for, for legs and, and is made there. And Mobamba is literally already there's already, already been articles hurt. being <laughs> drafted that he's a bust. Like, come on. And Mobamba is at least well, a I mean, little bit bigger than Bobo. No, no offense to yeah, Vapor, yeah, but he went to the Magic. He was already a bust. Jesus Christ. <laughs> come on, dude. Don't do this. Sorry, Don't Vapor. do our friends like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hey, if people can throw shade on me for being a Bulls fan, I can throw shade on people for being any fan, except for a Warriors fan. Uh, the thing with titles. Bamba, too. Bamba. How, he got how, hurt. How big is Bamba? He, he did get hurt, but how big is he? I think he's 7'1 or 7'1. No, seven like flat. big. How big is he? Oh, wait. Um, 221. So he is smaller than a. 
than Bobo. Yeah. Uh, Bobo apparently is 236, but yeah. I wouldn't see that. Oh, he, he, carry, he carries that a ton in his chest. Yeah, it's his core. Yeah, like he, he's not a guy, like, so maybe he's not going to, he doesn't have the legs underneath him. Like, Bamba is at least, at least, you know, dispersed. <laughs> it's it's just funny. I don't know. It's uh, just funny at this point. Like, there's a ton of muscle on Mo Bamba. There's not muscle on Bobo. And Bobo doesn't have a song yet. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have a song. Get on that check, Wes. Yeah. Um, also, you spelled my name wrong, DeAndre. Uh, S-E-A-M. Uh, let's now go to six. DeAndre Page. Uh, I love Kelton Johnson pick. Uh, crying laughing emoji. LeBron James gets his three-point shooter. Lakers currently in the middle of a back-to-back seasons of bottom three uh, three NBA for three-point shooting. Uh, Davis, one's going to you? Yeah, uh, I think that's exactly what I was going for. Is He is a instant fit to the NBA. He's someone who has the skills. Hard-working defender, tons of effort on that end, but also can come back, nail down hard shots from the outside, and he plays in a system where ball movement is normal. It's not obviously at that next level NBA, you know, LeBron James passing, but like mm-hmm. he he can be a catch and shoot player that they are looking for and that they were hoping that they had in someone like uh, Josh Hart, who was never really a great three point shooter in college. Uh, I think the early part of his career was kind of interesting that he was able to knock down at that rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, I think he he's an instant guy who brings something this team desperately needs. I Real mean, quick. I this is a guard from Eastern Washington who has a bigger forearm than Bobo. Okay, okay. Do yeah. you see that this kid from Eastern Washington? He's aerodynamic. Who's probably who's probably like a six man on his I'd high school still, team I'd has a bigger Bobo. forearm than the guy who yeah, you're well, saying is your thank, top three pick. Thank God we don't draft based on forearm size, yeah, right? Okay, God. but let's take in body proportion <laughs> for guys who are past gonna, it. Who are, we're past I'm just saying, like, come on. I, I was about to There's give clear my... reasons and negatives so, to them. The Lakers. Yeah. Uh, the thing, though, that is interesting about this is changing since our last mock. Yeah. I am convinced they probably won't even have that pick. Rick, so you're having number like, one overall pick. Well, no, not just that. Like, no yeah. matter what pick I think they get, yeah. they're going to trade it for somebody. Because uh-huh. the thing is with LeBron, like, yes, Kelvin Johnson would help them, but. Yep. LeBron doesn't work, not work well with rookies, but rookies aren't on the same timeline as LeBron James. Where LeBron James wants those veterans, he wants those guys that are going to come in and have already proven themselves to where I'm convinced that the Lakers, if they do anything with the pick, Mm -hmm. they're just going to move it, and that's not even going to be a Laker pick because they're going to get a veteran of some kind, even if it's not AD. Potentially, they they could go the the trade trade route. I could see that. I don't know. Sean? For a Kelvin yeah, Johnson, yeah. Are, are you done with uh, your bowl bowl rant? No, yeah, I'm still no, looking he's, at it. He's he's, he's obsessed. He's hot and bothered. He's okay, but like again, like someone show me a NBA this player. This is why I put that comment on here when I saw it. Sh- Literally came in today as we were recording the podcast. Show me an NBA. <laughs> show me an NBA. Show me an NBA. Show me an NBA player with 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 at least this <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the the small <laughs> legs and arms that Bobo has. Like which player is out there? Okay, and his dad. Who was a two-time block champion? Uh, I think he was like forty-five Alden, when he started. In the league. He was twenty-three. <laughs> no, he's forty-five uh, at most. Bobo Manupo averaged the, twenty two point six points per game. The old fun maker. Right. Um, but the, the most he did was four point nine. Yeah. Uh, but he was averaging five blocks a game. Yeah. So like, but even then, like he averaged eighteen point seven points per game, and then he played sixty, then twelve. Uh, or sorry, he played eighty, then eighty-two, then seventy-seven, then eighty, then uh, seventy-five, then eighty-two, then seventy-one, then That's fifty-eight, pretty great. then fourteen, then eight, then two, then four, then five. By yeah. thirty-one, he was injured. But here's the thing: he was yeah, only starting to play till thirty-one. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But he only started sixty, twelve, four, four, twenty-six, two, twenty-three, and then he was Bull only Bull. averaging. Bulbul's offense demands he gets minutes on the court, and that's the that's the difference. Like the kid is shooting at an incredible rate in college. 
and you can't deny it. Like we said, even if you drop his percentages like, by 10% each, he's still an above league average like shooter. When I was watching Oregon and Wisconsin yesterday, bump over his positional. I thought to myself, man, I wish Bobo Bo was in this game. That would have been amazing. Like having like that game was I was fun because Oregon general. was supposed to be the team that was at the top of the mm-hmm. nation this year with him yep. and Lewis King out yep. there. Mm-hmm. And Pritchard, don't and forget about Pritchard. Pritchard. He's, Big shot. he's balling out he so did, far in the tournament. Pretty good. I don't, I don't trust it. Coming off those I'm balls. Sorry, I, I just man. don't trust zoom. it. Zoom. Um, <laughs> zoom. Yeah. Zip, zip, zoom. This kid's something else. All um, right. I, I just don't trust it. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, who did, who did Bobo even go up against? Like, who was he playing in those nine games? No one who was like, seven foot three. Ooh, sorry. He put up 23 points against Eastern sorry, Washington. Sorry, didn't get to 20, play against Taco 21 Fall. against but Green Bay. But they were helping the forearms. 32 against Texas Southern. <laughs> He did that against, against guys with forms the size of his thighs. <laughs> he played two, three legit teams: Iowa, Green Bay, and Syracuse. Okay, and you like you're gonna pout about you know it? It's like, totally no, gonna John Brett played. You know it's totally gonna Bunch happen of bums now. Bums in a terrible conference. You know it's totally gonna happen Doesn't now. Stop him in the I'm summer mean, league. Amazing. I'm saying he never went up against a pro, uh, like a, a pro center. Yeah, that's uh, my point. John Brett's gone up against like one professional point guard. In his entire college okay, then why, career this year. I, I'm not, but I'm also saying but if that... But if you're trying to take away from him for not having But the biggest thing that I'm saying John is, is Bobo's really size. John Morant isn't undersized. No, John Morant it doesn't have level injury history. No, no, you just you put level of competition no, in the box and I'm bringing it in. No, but you're saying that he's shooting 100% from three door. or whatever. 52% from three-point point percentage. Um, that's fine, but like... Again, like, what is he going up to where he's actually having a challenge... For his size and his position, that's what I'm saying. And he's going up against position, whatever. We're off this. Let's go to the next one. Uh, seven. This one's uh, Chris Curtis. Uh, I think another aspect that will make Zion's future even brighter is his strength will become more disproportionately larger because the league is becoming skinnier and smaller ball. I don't think you could small ball easily against Zion because he can switch on wings, but will outmuscle you on offense. He'll definitely outmuscle ball ball. Um, but let's go to uh, let's go to Ricky on this one. Um, what do you think about you know Zion's and, and his strength? I just think, I've said it before, I will say it again, I said it to Dave the other day, mm-hmm. when I said on the podcast that when LeBron is, bye, I hope you enjoy retirement, Zion will become the next best player in the league. Like, that is what I see for Zion Williamson, because yes, it's like, oh, he can't shoot, but he does everything else so well, and he makes us drop our jaw with everything that he does, that... I think the ceiling is the roof for him. He's going to and go right through that ceiling up into the sky all the way to the moon, and he might not even stop there. He might go all the way to Pluto, which is a planet I don't, stuff. I don't, I don't think he's going to be quite <laughs> that good. But that, like, that might be a little bit much. To me, it's like what Sean said last week, or what, it might have been last week, might have been the last mailbag, of you cannot put a cap on Zion yeah. because you put a cap on him and he proves you wrong. And yeah. then you go, oh, wait, no, this is the cap. And he goes, uh, double not so fast, my friend. And it's not the cap. And then you go, all right, this is it. Like, he just keeps breaking it. So it's like, Until I you think make the for cap him, a 40% three-point shooter. It's just, <laughs> we'll see in the NBA. Let's yeah. see if he develops a shot. Yep. But I just, with me, think that Zion is going to be so special I, that there's a reason why at number one, we even had the discussion with John today. Do you take Ja even over a Zion if you're like a Bulls or a Suns, and I still wouldn't. No matter what team Fippy you are, damned. you go Zion number one. Yeah, I think I think him becoming a matchup nightmare as the NBA continues to get smaller is an interesting mm-hmm. thought because he is. like when, when I watch him play, 
you know, you can try to put fours on him. He's quicker than all of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Literally all of them. You put a three on him, he outmuscles every single one. He can back them down into the post. Like mm-hmm. he just is dynamic. His size, speed combination has not been seen before. And, and especially how quickly he can get out to d- defend three-point shots like that. I know it's yeah. a one thing, but that one three-point shot that he, he leaped and rap. was like, bam, yeah. it's into the stands. Yeah. Get that out of here. So I, I, I agree. I think he's he's going to continue to get more ridiculous as time goes on, and people won't have an answer for him matchup-wise. Could there's he, just not that many guys who have that combination. Could he do that to a James Harden <laughs> step back? Can you imagine James Harden does the double step back and Zion just jumps up Oof. and swats it? Harden's still going to the line. <laughs> Getting them three free throws. Well, that's, that's the thing is his strength might be a weakness because he might be pushing guys around too much actually, and then they might be a foul. That That's actually a good question though, because I have increase. seen him have a lot of contact on guys mm-hmm. and I wonder if... You know, active shooting stuff in the NBA is a little bit more ticky-tacky. Yeah, especially guys who are, you know, pros at drawing contact. Yeah. Like, is, is that going to be something that, you know... I think that could be an area increase. where he'll have to have a Adjust. learning curve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I just think, it, I mean, it doesn't matter whether he's... His strength's going to be disproportionately larger. His size is going to be disproportionately larger. His speed's going to be disproportionately larger. His vertical's going to be you disproportionately larger. see him race out a point guard for a loose ball and then cross over... And then lay it up. Like there's, that there was, was so many. Like, you could watch any game, and just be like, "That's an NBA move. That's an NBA move. That's an NBA move. That's an NBA move." Remember, remember yeah. when we were watching the Florida State game, and then I was, we was behind us, and I was like <laughs> looking, and I was like, "Zion just did this. Zion just did this. Oh my God, Zion just did this. Oh, this one was better. He did the same thing, but it was even better. It was more athletic. He was fading away and threw it up with one hand, and it just went straight I remember in. That, yeah. Like the kid's incredible. Yep. It's, it's Zion Williamson. He's the number one pick in the league, uh, in, in the draft. Uh, eight. This one's Ben Simmons. We do have famous people watching us. <laughs> Legit, uh, at Ben Simmons. Either either Ben Simmons, the 76er, or Ben Simmons, uh, Bill Simmons's kid. Oh. Uh, the disrespect for Romeo Langford is unreal. Um, I don't know what this is in, in reference to. Um, I don't know what we said about him that was, like, negative. I guess I had him lower than before. I had him going um, in this one to 12 uh, to the Magic. Uh, Ricky, you had him all the way up at 6, and yeah. then Dave, you had him at 13. Uh, yep. But even like throughout this, I mean, I had him at 10 to the Magic. Um, I, I, Dave, you, uh, Ricky, the one before you had him at uh, 10 at the Magic too, mm-hmm. and then Dave, you had him at 8 uh, to, to the Pelicans. I think it's really just fit with him. It's just like he's, he's a really talented player. I just think that you need to have either a point guard around him that's going to be able to get him the ball mm-hmm. um, or uh, a big that's going to be able to you know set screens for him and he's going to be able to get loose. Um, yeah, I think that's really the biggest thing that he he needs. He needs to be in a very certain spot to hit. But he's a very talented player. I mean, he was my number one player going into this this uh, this draft. Clearly, yeah. that's changed because Zion Williamson. I didn't think he should be this damn good. Nobody. Um, but I, I think that you know Romeo is a very talented player, and having him twelfth isn't a disrespect. I think it's just like you know when you're looking at pretty much after Cam Reddish, so Jackson Hayes, Seku, DeAndre, Darius, Kobe. Uh, Keldon, Romeo, uh, I think those guys are just so close that really it's just fit for team, and that's that's all I was trying to mock. Mm-hmm. I could I could see him going seven to the to the to the uh, Grizzlies. I could see him going that high. Mm-hmm. I could see him going to the Hawks if they don't take Cam Reddish. Like we just he, have a glut of really good guards this year, and I think that's the thing. He has a clear limitation in his shot right now, where he, he's just not a consistent three point shooter, and because of that, teams are afraid. They think that his offensive skill set's limited to two levels. And yeah, he's a very good mid-range shooter, but where does that get you in today's NBA? Nowhere. Literally mm-hmm. nowhere. Uh, so yeah, there, there's definitely hope there. He's got a good shot, so you hope that you can continue to build that up. And you know, as he puts on muscle, he'll be able to add the shot to his game, 
without adjusting too much. But I, I think it comes down to, like Sean said, it's fit, and who, who's the guy you believe in? Like, I look at, like you said, you know, Kobe White's right there, two-way guard. I absolutely love a lot about his game. Kelton Johnson, two-way guard. Kevin Porter Jr. is the guy who's an ultimate wild card. Like, that's that's the thing is, if you have one of those guys who you like, suddenly he drops three picks. Mm-hmm. But that's it, it's that close. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nothing about Romeo Langford. It's just really, again, all, all fit. Yeah, for me, it's the three-point shot, like, I mean, I know he only was averaging about four a game, but he's hitting what, times, one yeah. of those four. So you're hitting just over 25%. Like, that is not... If you're a guard in this league, hell, if you're a wing or a point guard in this league... If you're league, not a center. You have to... Even, yeah, the fours are even having to hit threes now to where, like, it's just... If he can up that and become a better shooter from the outside. Mm-hmm. It's like Which, when I watch the tournament even, like there'll be guys that'll take long twos and it's now this day in the NBA, there's no shot worse than a long two. I think he's going you can to be take a, a step back and shoot a three. He's going to be a fine three-point shooter in the league. It might take him a while. Like I mean, Darren Fox came in and mm-hmm. wasn't a good three-point shooter and developed a shot. Um, I mean, you look at him, he's a decent free throw shooter. I think just the biggest thing is just he's not getting off clean shots at, at, in Indiana. He wasn't able to get spacing there, and I, mm-hmm. I think that was a big thing. But even, you know, he, he did have shots where he was like, you know, 2 of 4 from 3, 3 of 7 from 3, 3 of 7 from 3, uh, 3 of 6 from 3, uh, 2 of 3 from 3, 2 of 5 from 3. Like, he had outputs where he was decent from 3. I think the biggest thing is just him getting open looks. He can he can become a decent three-point shooter in the league. It's just I think the biggest questions I have for him is can he be consistent in the NBA? He yeah. can have spurts, but is he going to be like a J.R. Smith and just have you know outputs and, and you know every now and then he's going to be putting up twenty points a night? I mean, it'll be cold some nights. Like, what is his limitation? Is he going to be able to be a great yeah. scorer at the next level? That's the question I have for him. Is the, is the consistency where you know he he's going to be need to be looked at as a guy who can be a number one, number two scorer because of his 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 uh, play type. He's not going to be a, yeah, a spot shooter. If he's not shooter. scoring for you, he doesn't provide a ton of value. Yeah. He has the tools to be a decent defensive player, we're, but we've not seen that on a decent on a consistent level. Where Kelton Johnson, he's at least going to be a spot up shooter for you, and you yeah. have that guy, and he's going to be probably near elite in that in that category. Now he yeah. might not be good in every other category for Romeo Langford, but if you're the Lakers, you're going to need a spot up shooter. That's why he's going to be going above, uh, you know, Kelton Johnson because of the fit. Um, let's go to now nine, Andre Raffalo. I think he was in the last one. Uh, where's Bruno Fernando? I had him on my mock going to 10 at LA. How is he out of the top 20? Ricky, because his name go. is Bruno Fernandez. Yeah. Bruno Fernando. Him. He's not in my first round. I've got Bruno Fernandez in hey, my first Ricky, round. this one's going to you first. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't have him at all in my, my, uh, top, uh, yeah, I, my, my, my top 30. <coughs> Uh, you had him at 29, and Dave, I don't didn't think have him. I took a hard pass. There, yeah. There's a reason why I put my name down for because I was the guy that had him in the first round. For me, the reason why I don't see him being a top 20 pick is because of, first off, he's a center, and two, where are teams going to, like, for example, the Spurs. If he's going to go top 20, it's because the Spurs with their 20th pick go, we're going to go with a center, and kind of look for a wing later. I don't see them doing that. I see them looking for a wing player first, then later on going with their center pick just at the tail end of the first round. And besides that, like the Celtics could be a team that goes with the center also. But I had them go with Jonte. Now, could that change the next mock draft? Yeah. But like, there's not a ton of teams that I see mm-hmm. going after a center in the top 20. And the ones that do have multiple picks 
and have one between 21 to 30 and can just get their center there. Here's the thing is if I'm ranking centers, I think he's probably in, in, in I, I think like, you know, obviously if I had to rank him, Jackson's probably my number one. Bobo's probably two. And even we think Bobo's going to be a four in the NBA probably anyway, but yeah. What's that? Oh, yeah, Bobo? Yeah. yeah. If we're taking, you know, just bigger guys. Sure. Like if we're talking guys you know, near 6'10 or higher, sure. uh, bigger. Uh, I'll take Jackson, Bobo, uh, Goga, then I'll probably put Gafford there, and then comes in Bruno. Um, but the thing hmm. that I could, or I mean, even Jante's in there too, but I think that the one key one's going to be Jante. Because if Jante falls, mm-hmm. uh, let's yeah. say he has another bad combine, maybe his medicals don't come back, mm-hmm. then that's where Bruno comes in. Yeah. It's yeah. just that it's it's really kind of just a pecking order and which well, ones you like. I don't think there's anything wrong with Bruno. He's an uh, elite rebounder. Bruno, yeah. Uh, I, I think that he's and he's, he's got a, a lot of great, like he's really aggressive, mm-hmm. uh, which is something I like. And even in, during the tournament, he really impressed me. Um, I think the biggest thing that just sets him back is just like, is he like what is he going to be able to turn it up to become a star because he's not even a star in college basketball like he's averaging like 13 points and like 7.6 boards mm-hmm. so like as a second year player you want to see more production of that where Gafford has that production and i think you know people always look at well you how is he going to fit in the nba but a big thing too is production we keep talking about this you need how to be able to dominate did your you say? uh 7 i could be wrong he's 13 and 10 okay 13 and 10 10 and a half um, yeah don't cut him short. My bad. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I just feel like... He's definitely not short. He's taller than I am. I could, <laughs> I, I could just feel that, you know, he's... I don't feel like he's he, he's always a dominant presence on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and consistency is something that he does struggle with. So that's that'd be the one thing that I would say with uh, Bruno Fernando. I mean, is, I, I like what he brings to the table. Like, he's a guy that can grab boards. He plays defense well. He's got a really long wingspan, which will help him... At the five, like to me, one of the only negatives is he might turn over the ball a little bit too much. Yeah, he's not he's not great defensively yeah. either. And but he's he's not terrible defensively. And no one at, like if he was amazing defensively, he would be higher than where we have him. But if I do the same thing that you did, I would have uh, Bulbul as my first center, Jackson Hayes as my second one, then I would have Bruno Fernandez and then Goga, um, only because. Jonte Porter, we haven't seen what he's going to be like yet, so we got to see that. And number two, like I'm still not sold on Jonte being a center. Right, and he's a four he, five. He might be a four when he's on an NBA team. But I could see him playing small ball five. Yeah, small yeah. ball five, but mainly a four on a team, and that's where like Bruno, where we had him this time, isn't where he's locked into. He could rise. Right. Um, it's just. What team, after we get out of the lottery, is going to take a dive on an early center rather than take one late in the right, first round? Right, the value of the centers definitely mm-hmm. changed over the years, but when you look at those late teams, it's like the Thunder probably don't need a center. Yep. Noel's going to get a payday probably mm-hmm. and going to go somewhere else, so they do need a backup center, but I don't know if I would take a backup center you know, right there. Mm-hmm. I'd take someone with Jonte who has that tweener ability. Yep. Um, Celtics could use a center. Goga's there above a, mm-hmm. him for all of us on our boards. Blazers definitely don't need a center. Cavs don't really need a center. Pacers don't need a center. Sixers could use a backup center, but I what think What has Joe been doing for you lately? <laughs> I said backup. Nets don't really need one. Warriors are the team that kind of stands out to me. Like If mm-hmm. he goes, I think the Warriors pick could be the one where he could go off yeah. in the first round because giving them an elite rebounder and keeping those second possession chances mm-hmm. alive, or second, yeah, second possession attempts alive would be pretty big for them. So. Mm-hmm. I could see him slipping back into the first round. Uh, you know, I don't have him there on my mock right now, mm-hmm. but I just I, I don't know that the value of a center is that high 
in today's NBA, especially one yeah. who can't stretch the floor out. Like that would make him truly unique, and then of course he'd be higher on the boards. All right, here's the here's uh, this one, and then we have one more. Uh, I'll just answer this one, and then we'll go into the last one. Uh, the last <coughs> one's about uh, second round uh, guys. So if you want to pick those out uh, for for when I come to yep. you guys, uh, l- let me l- let's do that. But this one's uh, from Matt Gillis at guy sitting on the left. That is me. Uh, the names are in the uh, description if you're ever trying to find the names. Uh, it's also at the start of the video. Uh, it's not about the shots. It's about the shots he's getting in the system uh, that he's in. I believe he's talking about Cam Reddish. When you have two subpar shooters who are future stars on a team, and they're going to be the focal point, and the offense is going to be geared towards them because they're the better prospects, those shots he's getting aren't going to be better if they aren't in, in, in the spots he's best at. Not saying that he's a great prospect right now, but the argument is a little flawed. I've brought this part up is the fact that Coach K is trying to win basketball games. He's mm-hmm. that's what he's doing right now. He's not trying to showcase Cam Reddish as a as a star or anything like that. I understand that, and that's why he's still fifth uh, for a guy who has this bad of production in college. Still being a top five pick is a saving grace. Um, so if if you're looking at this like again, Cam Reddish has potential, and that's all I'm saying. And yes, maybe he's not put into the best spots, but you want to see more from him. And I think that's the biggest thing is, like, even if that's not your game, if, if your game is not being a spot-up shooter, mm-hmm. you still need to be able to show what you're doing. And it's not like he's getting bad shot attempts. Like, he's still getting open threes, and he's still not, like, an efficient shooter. And, and, and yes, maybe he's not great from the right elbow uh, shooting threes. But and, and, he, and he hit a huge shot against Florida State. That was a game winner on the right elbow. He stepped up in a big moment, and he hit it. That's huge. But I think the biggest thing that I just look at that annoys me with Cam Reddish is, like, we've never seen games where he's been able to just be himself. Right. Um, and even when you feel like you have that shot, like, when Zion was out, he was still not able to be that guy that he want, he, he, he should be. So I think the biggest thing that I, I have with Cam Reddish is the fact that although he is not in the best system, and that is a fair point to bring up, um, and it's fair to say my argument's flawed, I think the biggest thing you need to look at, though, is great players and great talents rise and they try to make themselves fit. And so far, Cam Reddish has not done that. Maybe it's a little bit too much for me to ask of a 19, 18-year-old, but I'm going to. Because, I mean, if you're going to be a top-five pick, you need to be able to show and prove why you should be a top-five pick. Because then what if he comes into the Atlanta Hawks and isn't be able to be a spot-up shooter? Well, guess what? He's not going to be carrying the ball up the court. It's going to be Trey Young. So he's going to need to be able to turn into a spot-up shooter. Trey Young's going to bring up the ball pretty much about 80% of the time when you know him and Cam Reddish are on the, the, the floor, so that's the biggest thing uh, that I look at with Cam Reddish is yep. you're going to be able to you're going to be able to need to adapt in college and in the NBA because in the NBA when you're getting paid money to do a thing, you need to be able to produce. And if you're yeah. not going to be producing college, you're going to need to be producing the NBA, and the NBA is going to be tougher and harder for you to do so there. So I don't know. I, I just worry <laughs> about his production. Uh, he also said, "Edit, you literally just got done about talking production with Cam." And Hayes literally hasn't shot a three and can't even average a double-double. Lol. Hayes is is not even a year younger than Cam either, and Hayes is our starting center too. We can clearly get a center that could be just as good, if not late better. Hayes isn't the lock yet. Y'all keep pushing. Um, the question with that is, like, the production is he's still producing better. Uh, he's shooting 72% from the fucking floor. Cam's incredible. shooting, like, 2% from the floor. Um, he's ass as hell. Um, he was shooting two, like, to start the game, he was, like, 2 of 8 against <coughs> North Dakota State University. The the fierce buff, uh, bisons, yeah, the bisons uh, from, yeah. from North Dakota. So, like, yes, Cam isn't producing well, and 
the thing with Hayes is like, yes, he's a year younger, but he also plays a completely different position. He's not dependent on Trey Young getting the ball and shooting from the outside. The yep. biggest thing that he needs to do is play defense, be able to switch. When Trey Young is being asked defensively, he needs to be able to come up and stop that. And he has shown that he has the quickness and the length and the ability to close out on shooters and block shots. So Jackson Hayes is not being looked on to be a second or third scorer for the Atlanta Hawks. He's going to be looked at as a guy who can play defense next to John Collins, and he can do that. Cam Reddish needs to be able to step in and be the second guy they go to when Trey Young's not on. If he can't do that, he's going to be a bust. And yes, Jackson Hayes was a little bit of a reach there, but I still think that he's going to be taken in the top 12. Cam Reddish is still a good player. He's taken above Jackson Hayes for a reason. I put him at five and not six for a reason. (laughs) But the thing that is, is that Cam Reddish has not produced. Jackson Hayes, yes, he's only grabbing five boards in 23 minutes, but if you extrapolate that, it looks a little bit better because he's, you know, per 40, it's about like eight. Um, and he still has good rebounding rates. So yep. if you got to look at the you know metrics and the advanced metrics, it shows that he's still a good rebounder. And it shows that he's a great shot blocker. So if you're drafting him for your defense to play next to John Collins, yeah. he's worth that pick. John and if Collins he pans out 20 and 10. You don't have to worry about the scoring end with John Collins and Trey Young on your team. And if Jackson Hayes pans out as a good defender and he's a starter on your team, that's, that's all that matters because yep. you're not going to be taking anybody else. You need to fill a position at that point because you have a point guard already who's a star. You have the power forward who's a great star already in John Collins. Mm-hmm. If you if Cameron pans out to be a good three or two, then you're fine. All you need is someone to be a fourth or a five, fifth option offensively and a good defender. And that's yep. what Jackson Hayes is totally. at his best. So, yes, J- Jackson Hayes isn't putting up 20 and 20 in, in college, but he is a guy with great potential, just like Cam Reddish. But one thing he is doing is he is producing around the rim, which is something you want from a center, and he is blocking shots, which is something you want from a center. What you want from a wing is the ability to shoot from three, which Cam Reddish can't do. You're a little hot today, Sean. Let's go to the 11th one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mar Myers. Nice job. You guys talk about possible second-round picks that can help a team out, such as Robert Franks from Washington State or Eric Pascal from Villanova. Uh, Dave, start us off. So I'm just going to give a quick plug to a free to a previous Patreon segment we did about sleepers, mm-hmm. which does cover a handful of players from the second round. Uh, I'm just going to toss out a flurry of them because, let's be honest, it's, it's second rounders. They're guys who you should know their names because they've been in college for a bit in my group. So mm. I would look at a Ty Jerome, Diedrich Lawson, uh, Admiral Schofield, and obviously you already said Peshaal. So like those are the four guys. And even Matthias Seibel, who I think is now... Yeah, kind of bullying his way up the boards I because people are watching. I him still on think screen. he's going to be an early second. I think he's first. I, I, I'm I'm on the first round train for him because he just he was everywhere on defense, mm-hmm. everywhere on defense in the tournament. And that's what he's done all year. He's breaking records that were set by some of the greats in in the NBA who had fantastic college careers. So defensive monster there. But Ty Jerome, professional backup point guard, like this guy mm-hmm. can do it. He's a plug and play player. Super smart player. Love him. Dietrich Lawson's a guy who transferred from Memphis to Kansas. Was able to produce at the same level, if not better. Added a three-point shot. Not many attempts, but he has shown that he's a good free throw shooter. He's got a good shot. And I think that that three-point shot will continue on. Probably not 37% that he's at right now. But at the next level, probably will be respectable about 34, 35. Yeah, so. you, you know, with me, it's I'll do the same thing with Dave. I'll give like kind of a little bit of a flurry to that. Well, one that could be a first rounder. Um, I know that John, patron we had on today, um, is liking this guy, but Dietrich Lawson could be a early Literally second. Just about him. Yep. Could even come in at the first, but like 
Marcus Howard's a guy I like in the second round. Um, C.J. Massenburg from Buffalo is a guy that I like. Massenburg. The most intriguing one to me. I'll yeah. throw out Cassius Winston because you didn't throw out Cassius. Yeah, yeah um, I do. I think Cassius is going to be a second-round prospect. An interesting one because he's only played two years at Houston, and he's a senior. Corey Davis Jr., from the Houston Cougars, is a guy who's averaging 16 points from the field, for 16 points per game for them, shoots 41 or 42% from three last year, 38 from three this year, he shoots eight per game. There could be a team in the second round that goes, hey, you know what, we can take him, and if he can shoot threes at a good clip for us and score some points and maybe run a second unit for us, could be a steal for a team in the second round from a non-Power 5 school. But yeah. he's mainly a scorer for the Houston Cougars. The guys that I'm looking at, that like you know, if, if we're looking at other he doesn't people, turn the ball over. Yeah, if, if we're looking at guys like uh, I think the biggest thing is that we've tried to do is at least with like those late picks is just put guys that we like um, in in the first round, like, yeah, in, in the second the first, round, yeah. into the first round, just so we can talk about them. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of the guys that I've already mentioned, like Matthias Thibel, is most likely going to be a second round pick, but I, I love him. And if you take him in the first round, I don't think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, another Nasri guy are the, are the two Tennessee what <laughs> Nasri could yeah uh, <laughs> one of them is the Tennessee guys. Uh, I love Grant Williams. Nasreed could be a second rounder, but if mm-hmm. Nasreed comes out and is the second rounder, take him at 31 because the guy's a goddamn offensive monster. Um, but I, I think that you know Gafford's one two clearly that we've mentioned because he's mostly he might fall the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, people might overlook Goga. Goga might be a second rounder as well. Um, one guy that I think people are underlooking, um, Jalen Noel from Washington. Maybe it's because mm-hmm. I'm watching a ton of uh, Thibel highlights right now. Yeah, but the thing that I look at with him is like whenever you watch Thibel highlights, it's like, all right, Thibel brings the defense. Evan Noel is an offensive machine. This guy has crazy great handles. He's averaging 16.3, 5.3 uh, boards, and 3.2 assists. He's shooting 50% from the field, 44.7% from three, 77.9% from the line. Um, he just he's a, he's a very athletic guard, six uh, four. He's got good size. I think he's probably more of a two uh, in the NBA, but even then at 6'4", that's not crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, C.J. McCollum's kind of small yeah, like that. Um, but I really like him. He's a sophomore out of Washington. Um, he might stay um, later, uh, but I think he's a guy that can really pop off. He might be a guy next year that if he does stay around college, he averages like 20 points a game. Um, and he might be one of those juniors that takes a rise up. I mean, his offensive handles um, and his offensive scoring is absolutely NBA level. Um, similar to Marcus Howard. Uh, Howard can score, put up a ton of points. Um, I do like Iggy uh, Brastikas. Um, mm-hmm. He's a guy that's made your guys' first round, f- first rounds as well. Um, guy that's uh, definitely interesting to me. Um, Cam Johnson, I, a guy that I had in my first round. Um, I think he's a first rounder. He might yeah. follow the second round as well. Um, Shamori Pons would be an interesting guard. I think he's more bench scoring though. I people think I think people want to love him just because he's a smaller guard that puts up a ton of points. Yeah. Uh, but we've seen this before with uh, guys like uh, who's the kid from Oakland, uh, Kay Felder. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Um, people love Kay Felder. People loved uh, Isaiah Whitehead from uh, Seton Hall. I think he's kind of more in those regions. Uh, guys that I think are too high on, I don't like Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, he's a guy that got, play, he got played off the floor against Ohio State. Yeah, he's not good defensively. Game. He's not good offensively. Um, I, I just don't think that he's an NBA guy yet. I think he's a guy who needs to come back for a sophomore year and slim down and try to develop a, a game outside of that. We mentioned that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we can talk about that. And I think uh, Killian Tilly is a guy that I had in my lock drafts last year. Um, interesting f- Four or five coming off um, an injury though. Yeah, can shoot. Can shoot. A lot from of people deep. like mocking him to the Hawks in the second round. Yeah, I think it's a good one. Um, <laughs> I, I think he's a guy that uh, definitely interesting. Uh, four, four or five. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really know if he's going to make it. He might be a little bit too soft inside. Yeah. Um, but definitely a guy to watch out for. 
Um, and then if I had to throw out one more, uh, the Martin twins suck ass. If you have them, in the, uh, he they're bad. Uh, they're probably gonna be <laughs> second round picks in my, my draft. Um, Isaiah Roby. Are you only saying they're bad because they played one bad game in the tournament? No, they're ass. They're okay. literally bad because I don't think I they're don't slow. Think they take horrible shot selections. They're, I don't think they're, they're guys bad. That, they're but... guys that would be like ninth players on an NBA roster, and they'd come in and just take horrible shots. They'd be played out of the league in two two years, and they'd, they're going to be great international players. They'd be great number ones on an international team, but they're not going to be NBA, NBA guys. Um, Pascal's a good one, too. Um, if I had to throw out one more, I'd probably throw out Kerwin Roach of Texas, uh, 6'4". Uh, pretty good ball handler, pretty good passer, um, could score a little bit. Um, I like both of the – I like – I think it's three of the guys. I like Howard – uh, Frank Howard, Tyus Battle, and uh, O'Shea Percet of Syracuse, too. Yeah. I like those guys, but I don't know if they're really NBA pros and if they're going to come out. I think uh, one of them, only one of them is a senior, I think. Uh, but those are some of the guys that I'll are say, just coming off the top of my head. I'll say that's another one I like. Oh, also, he... Charles Bassey is overrated. He is not aggressive. He is slow. He's playing against he, – he looks he, he looks slow in the Western uh, – at Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. That's a red flag right there. <laughs> one guy I'll throw in, if he plays like he did against Old Dominion, I like him because we talked about him on the PTP with um, uh, Matt, who's a Purdue fan, but Carson Edwards. No, he's too small. Um, if he – yet again, like I said, with Corey Davis too, he was also 6-1. He's a guy that second round, if you want to take a flyer on him, like – the second round guys aren't the ones where it's like, man, they're going to be on my team and be a kind of staple. They're the guys, hey, take a flyer on them. And if they pan out being like Draymond Green, that's good. If not, it's a second rounder. They're literally just free tickets that you just throw out there and see what sticks. Yeah. All right. So that's going to be it uh, for the uh, the mock draft mail. Like, let us know uh, down in the comments below uh, who you like. What do you what do we get wrong? Uh, are you high it's on camera? Bull, bull. Do you love Bull Bull? Let us know. I uh, can't wait. Uh, just wait in three years. I'll be right about Bulbul. Um, when Sean was right, we'll do it. We'll do it. I named one of my brackets when Colin was right, by the way. Nice. Did you? Um, I don't know why, but I did it. <laughs> was uh, it all of Colin Cowherd's picks? Was no. Was it just his bracket? Yeah, I just, no. I literally just, literally just said when Colin was right. Nice. No reason. Uh, I don't even know what he picked. Why did you name the one in the MVP group net? Uh, because I uh, put together a uh, spreadsheet of so last year I did offensive efficiency, which is just offensive rating. You did um, rating this and, time. Uh, defensive rating mm-hmm. uh, uh, for two brackets, and the offensive rating turned out really well. Um, so what I did was just literally subtract his offensive rating and defensive rating, and then got the net rating of every team. Uh, and the, I just literally picked off that because um, I, I I was not going to just take my picks. My picks is actually doing way better uh, mm-hmm. that bracket, but yeah, I just did that one just because I was just going. Uh, strategic, okay. just try to get the, the actual winner, and it wasn't a Duke winner, which I thought like playing into a pool wise. I was trying to win the pool, so yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's that a I, bad bracket. That's the thing that I said with uh, Mark Madness this year. It's either you got to pick not Duke because everyone's going to pick Duke, or pick Duke and nail all the upsets mm-hmm. the last two days. All right, I got to go. So uh, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. Uh, also, don't forget to check out patreon.com slash podcast. And also, don't forget, there's still free two bucks uh, floating around from uh, last the end of last week's podcast. So uh, check that out and uh, Venmo, uh, DM me on, uh, on Twitter at Uh But for Ricky Whitmer, for Dave Oster, this is the Bull Bull Fan Club signing off. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.